Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a sp- very special episode, I would say, of <laughs> Light Lori Time Podcast. I don't know, I'm brain fried right now. But um, we are doing this episode, well, it's a little late, we're like six, 70 listens back, yep. uh, too late, but we thought we would do a fun little like celebration. We've hit 500 listens, and we're on our way to 600, and we hope to keep the ball rolling. And so as like something fun, because we know each other, but I yeah. feel like this is also a way for us to kind of learn more about us as podcast mates and co-hosts and but also for you the listeners to kind of find out why like why we kind of pick the things that we've picked like it kind of see like there's a very some pattern yeah to us where, where the damage came from <laughs> yeah why, why we why we really like talking about vampire blowjobs <gasps> and colin hoover books <laughs> um and so we thought we'd bring that to you guys so we're gonna do a top 10 list of some of our favorite things uh, Zach has picked his speciality, which is music. I have indeed. So you'll be p- re- telling us a top ten list. Yes. Uh, hopefully upsetting some people. Just uh, spoiler alert, the number one is going to be uh, any Pitbull song ever. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide! Uh, Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide, if you're listening to this, please. Please. Oh, take me away, Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> I'll leave it all behind for Pitbull. <laughs> and then because I've done an aggressive amount of fantasy books, I'll be talking about my top ten books of... That not uh, that I think are the greatest of all time, but these top ten books for me that mm-hmm. really like formed my love of the books that I picked for this podcast yeah. and stuff like that. So Zach, do you want to start off? Or yeah. Do we want to? Yeah, for sure. I I I think to kick off, I'll kind of talk about a little bit like uh-huh. like my love for music and where it came from. And I I know it's the really stereotypical <laughs> thing, but like music is like my thing, my life. But no, it really uh, it really has defined a large portion of my. Uh, career my uh-huh. my life um you, the listeners can't see it but i have a very large cd collection yes. i collect phys- like i like physical uh, forms of things yeah whether it's books or games mm. and of course music and uh, i like to live like it's 1995 <laughs> so i still like to go out and find deals you yeah. know yeah. um but i think it's it's just a fun it, it's a fun hobby to collect and it started when i was young mm. and then it just kind of like it started small and they're just kind of like progressing, and then it was kind of, I went through that like you know that period in high school where it's like, oh, this is me, like I'm uh, I'm the classic rock kid, and yeah, I hate all the modern music, yeah. and like uh, you know exactly what kind of kid I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I just it just like progressed through life, and I kind of like attribute different music and different things that I listen to with like different times in my life and different mm-hmm. songs bring back certain things. And um, as I think the listeners are probably aware, we when we like things, we like really like them. Yes. And we obviously know the histories of those things, yeah. and we research them. And that became big for me because I loved bands, and I wanted mm-hmm. to. And I've always been like an album person. I love listening to an album all the way through. Yeah. And not just like single songs. And there's no wrong or right way to listen to music. This is adult Zach, not high school Zach would have told you something. Oh, very different. high school Zach would have told you that there was a wrong way to listen to music <laughs> and you were doing it wrong. But um, there's really no right or wrong way to, to enjoy it. Um, I, I think, and music is one of those weird, like almost universal things mm-hmm. where it's just, it's just something that's like the human experience you enjoy. Yeah. And um, and I think everyone kind of like picks those things up, um, and really I'll kind of like bounce off. So my list isn't really in any particular order. There's I have ten like solid, and then I have a couple honorable, uh, mentions. honorable mentions. It's very hard for me to <laughs> narrow it down to yeah. ten. Um, and I, the, basically, what I how I kind of rank it 
is I take the bands I've always come back to. Okay. So that I've listened to in bulk. And then I'll come, like, for year, like years and decades at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, so I'll, I'll go with my number one band. And my number one band of all time uh, is ACDC, actually. The <laughs> classic. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, you were the kid that wore all black. and. Uh, oh, yes, I was. Oh, yeah. Um, that actually started because that was my first, one of my first CDs I ever bought. Was uh, the Iron Man Two soundtrack? Okay, believe, believe it or not, and the Iron Man Two soundtrack was just ACDC. Yeah, I really think that they wanted Tony Stark to be like a like a classic rock, rock fan. Yeah, so they just made him do. And f- like oddly enough, ACDC has never released a greatest hits album. Oh, okay. They have always wanted their albums to be listened to. Their albums are greatest yeah. hits, not yeah, exactly. It's, not a culmination. Yeah, which is so the funny. So oddly enough, the Iron Man Two soundtrack is the closest we have ever gotten <laughs> to an ACDC greatest hits album. Marvel Disney strikes again. I know. I was like, my <laughs> God, they've got them. And ACDC does greatest hits by Disney. By Disney. <laughs> no, honestly, that's really what it was. I never really thought about that. The mouse strikes again. Yep. But but that that was a big like. Just like listening to that, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, I really like this. Mm-hmm. And then I bought later on in life at uh, in Fresno, actually oh, yeah, visiting Shad. family. Uh huh. The big five five nine. <laughs> uh, I uh, picked up at Best Buy uh, back know. when they still sold uh, uh, CDs, like uh, collector edition, the CDs and stuff. Like the that collector's too. edition. They sold uh, live uh, DVDs. Oh, yeah, I remember those, yeah. Yeah, those, like, live mm-hmm. DVDs. And they have a very famous live concert called Live at Donington. Okay. Live at Donington Park. And I bought that, and I threw that bad boy in the <laughs> DVD player. And that changed a young boy's life. <laughs> they they put on an amazing, like, show. It's it, yeah. it's it's a huge production. Yeah. They have, like, the bell for Hell's Bells. When they play for those about to rock, they literally roll out cannons. Oh, that's cool. And fire them. Uh, the first time they did that, they were so loud, they were shaking the windows of houses miles away. Oh, wow. Okay. They're, vi- like, aggressively loud. They would have, so, like, the Hell's Bell, they have a giant bell that comes down, they ring it, the cannons come out. <laughs> when they uh, were on the Black Ice Tour, they had literally a giant train oh, that would drive cool. through. Wow. It's it's a very... That's a, that's a full pro- that's a full production. Oh, it's a full production. And Angus, so, ACDC is kind of um, interesting because... Angus Young, who's the lead guitar player, is he is like the main focal point of the band. Yeah. Have you ever seen like the uh, any of the Highway to Hell things? He dresses like a schoolboy because his whole thing is he's like this demon schoolboy, <laughs> and he literally just runs all over the place. Yeah. He's like, very, very high energy. He's very high energy. Duck walking, falling over, like on the yeah. ground, spinning in a circle. So that just like it really just like captures your imagination because mm-hmm. it had like the visual aspect. And then yeah. it had the just the, the that classic that classic rock uh, impact to it, and honestly, it's just something I've listened to forever. And so it's a very like comfort food kind mm. of a thing. It just brings me back to like good like good summer high school days, maybe better times driving in the Trans Am, yeah, you, you know, mullet in the wind. But no, it was just uh, it was just a good just a really good time, and uh, that was that would kind of be my number one like ACDC. yeah, okay. So what would be your oh, top spot? My top spot? That's that's hard. I don't really have a book that really formed who I was a, a human being. Um, I mean, so for me, like, my big thing is reading. I've always been a very good reader. Yeah. Like, in school, people hated reading. And my I would get in trouble in class. Because, you know, like, when you had to read as a, a class, yeah. I would skip ahead 
Because I was reading so quickly. Yeah. So I would like... And so they would call on me, and I'm 30 pages ahead, and I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know where so I, ahead. Yeah. I don't know where I'm at. And then I would get in trouble because they're like, Daniel, you have to be paying attention. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, like, I am. I am. I'm ahead. I'm almost paying hyper attention. <laughs> I'm, I'm better than all of I'm, you. <laughs> I'm better, and I know it. Um, but no, like, there's, there's pictures of me just, just everywhere with the yeah. book in my hands. And it was anything. I literally, like... Would like oh this is a book I like I would really grab it and go to the, so my the running joke in my family is if you see me with a book under my hand I'm gonna go take a, take a shit yeah and they're like what we'll see Daniel in thirty minutes I just power through yeah and I just sit there and I'll just read yeah and that was a lot of work <laughs> it's also at work where I go to find peace <laughs> yeah. I'll just sit in there and I'm like well we can read yeah um so I've always, I've had a, I've always had an overactive imagination so it just really worked well with reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. My parents would just feed me books, yeah. and, and it was like the one thing I could constantly ask for. Yeah, and like they're you know like usually yeah. when you ask like video games, they're like, well, you know. Yeah. But no, like when it came to books, I'm like. And parents are like excited. They're like, yes. oh, you want to read? Like. Yes. Yeah, so when we moved out of my our childhood home, it was the biggest pain they asked for me was like taking all these books and trying mm-hmm. to figure out what I had to do with them and stuff like that. Um. As a, I'm trying to think of what I used to read as a kid. As a kid, I used to read like the big picture like dinosaur books, which mm-hmm. I still have actually. Oh, I love those. And they're uh, gonna be a family heirloom for my children at some oh, yeah. point. I have those. I have Thomas the Tank. Thomas the Tank was a book series. Oh, was it really? It was, and I have the the whole set. Oh, that's awesome! Of just Thomas the Tank books. So I think kind of like that because I really had this. <laughs> I think I said last night like I had this weird fascination with like not animatronic, but like like the like cars and with faces on them. Like yeah, like uh, like JJ the Jet Plane. Yeah, just. Theodore Tugboat. Yeah, I know. Like, and those, the, those, like, cars, like, oh, the 76 cars. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, those? yeah, yeah. Or, like, like Thomas was mm-hmm. my really, like, my thing. I, yeah. ha- I have, like, original Thomas the Tank, like, sets. Ooh. Still, yeah, yeah. That are, like, still, like, the paint's still kind of decent. Like, oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, I still have a lot of all those. And so my, and then my dad was a big Star Wars guy. Star Wars and Star Trek. So I grew up around a lot of sci-fi. And then I really... I don't. Uh, Lord of the Rings was a big part of our home too, but we never read it. Yeah, I never actually. I've never actually read Lord of the Rings. Oh really? Time. I read The Hobbit. Yeah, but um, nothing like that. And I would just buy books off. I literally was buying books by the covers. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it looks cool. Yeah. Then I read it. Da da da. Um, and that's kind of where I was at. I really don't have a defin like a book that was that is like my childhood. Right. Probably Harry Potter for like like yeah. a lot of people. That sounds. But it's such an no. easy. Well, no, it, I read Harry Potter I read yeah. the shit out of Harry Potter when so I was that would yeah. probably be like the book series of my childhood um, I'll, I'll probably my nu- so I don't have a number one number one but I think the way I the way I did my list was more on how what books have I used as references like when I because I we played indie yeah and what books have I used as references from stories I've wanted to tell yeah. more than like well I really like this book but I like this book so much I wanted it to be real right in that kind of way so that's my, my list. Uh, I think one of my favorite books of all time, um, this is probably not my favorite, but I'll just give one before we start going through the list, is probably a, a book series I've talked about with you, which is called The Night Angel mm-hmm. by uh, Brent Weeks. It's part of what's called The Night Angel Trilogy. And it's a story about this guy who doesn't have powers, but they you discover there's these five orbs that contain like the elements. Yeah. And he has access to the sixth one. Which is this like this little black orb, and it turns him into the night angel. He yeah. gets these powers, and so he's given this like prophecy of like you have to kill your mentor, and it's just this really I don't know I just it, I constantly would read it. That book is literally like folded in half because yeah. of just how many times I would read it. 
Um, and then I read the last two books, and it does not. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> we take it's like reading Game of Thrones. Like, oh, this is happy, and then like Ram- and then you like jump in the Ramsey Bolt. Like, wow. Oh, where did this come from? Where are we where he's feeding people to dogs. Oh God. <laughs> Um, but that one really, because I really tried hard, because I really wanted, uh, I made a D&D campaign out of that. Oh, really? I did, yeah, about them having to find like, these five magical orbs, and like, they're like, they're elemental and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's probably one of my favorite favorites of all time. And then, of course, uh, I guess I'll do my favorite Harry Potter book, the Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. It's a good choice. I think it's the best of the Harry Potter books. That's a very good book. Uh, it's a tournament art. Oh, it really is. It is. Yeah, Harry Potter, uh, the Goblet of Fire is a tournament arc. For those of us anime nerds, there's always a tournament arc. I never really where thought you about introduce that. Introduce new characters. Yeah. And yeah, so the Triwizard Tournament is technically a, a tournament like, arc. Oh, that changes how I think about the whole yeah. thing. That's actually a lot of fun. I never, yeah. never put that together. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite. I like the story of it. I like the setup for. Uh, Harry at that point that he's like starting to like because I think I read around the time when I was starting to like girls so it's kind of mm-hmm. like hey he's confused and he's yeah. wizard Jesus yeah no <laughs> I can be confused about how to talk to girls that's fine when do I become wizard <laughs> Jesus <laughs> and then just like like that he has to go against these trials and then you know big spoilers Voldemort comes back at the end and yeah. we're like uh oh how do we get out of this, how pickle, do we this Harry? little pickle <laughs> You know, and so uh, I don't know. I think, and I think it was it was a book I was very proud of because at that age I was at, not many people read that many that big of a book. So I, you know, I'm 11, and I'm like, I read, yeah, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The it, 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 it was a big yes, book. I think it's like 700 pages. Yeah, because for Order of the Phoenix is a thousand. Mm-hmm. So that was a big one for me. That was a big like, yeah, like that was cool. So that's mine. That's my number one ish, most formative book of all time. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's what do you got? What's what's on? The, because I, I don't know if you remember this last night. I said "Stairway to Heaven" is like I think is one of the best is the best rock and roll song of all time, and you drunkenly aggressively disagree with me. I don't. Okay. okay. You, you literally went oh, <laughs> and I went well, okay. There we go. I don't think I don't no. I don't think it's a bad song. I like "Stairway to Heaven" I quite know. a bit. I like "Stairway to Heaven" quite a bit. It didn't help that you did that, and then Chris went. That's a dumb fucking opinion. <laughs> went, okay, fucking never mind then. Hit him with the three. <laughs> no, it, no, I know. I like Sarah in Heaven. Um, I like um, Led Zeppelin. Um, but uh, co- coming in in second place. Uh, okay. Coming in. Well, again, and this is no order. Again, this is just as just we ten. Said, just, just ten. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm gonna pull out. We're gonna pull out the real sad boy hours. Uh-huh. And I think for anyone who knows me, this one's this, this one's really easy to guess. But my Chemical Romance. <laughs> which one, which which album is it? The, oh, the quintessential. Oh, oh, which album? Oh, uh-huh. ooh, for really bright. Ooh. It'd probably be the Black Parade, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Or Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Honestly, the, the, the two probably biggest. Yeah, those are. <laughs> they just came in at the right time. Yeah, with they they struck they hit right when like the, oh. when the world needed them. When the world needed them, they they really hit. And then they were always kind of more musically talented, I thought, uh, than a lot of the other at the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of so, like some of the other emo bands in the genre, they were a lot more like experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were trying a lot more things. They were they're really interesting song structures, especially once they went on to do Danger Days. There's a lot of really mm-hmm. interesting songs that they tried to pull off, like Destroyer on there. Um, 
And then they pulled stuff like Summertime, and they they were really kind of branching out. And they actually hated the term emo music. Oh, okay. Because they didn't really think they were making emo music. Yeah. They thought they were just like making music. Gerard Way having to just be sad all the time. So it just kind of like it just kind of like I happen in. to be sad. I'm not as specific. Well, well, do you know why they formed? No, it was it was nine eleven. He was oh. a um, uh, cartoonist because uh, Gerard Way is the author of, of the, the Umbrella Academy. Academy. Yes. So he was doing art and he was making um, comics. And 9-11 happened, and he wanted to do something that he thought could make more of a difference. Oh, wow, okay. So he decided to form a band, mm-hmm. and um, he formed it with his brother, mm-hmm. uh, who plays bass, Mikey Way. And that's where My Chemical Romance came from. Okay. And uh, their first song, Skylines and Turnstiles, is about 9-11. Okay. And um, that's the real deep, the real deep <laughs> lore really right deep there. Right um, but, but that's where they formed, and that's kind of, that was like the zeitgeist that they were like, formed out of okay so obviously they hit right they hit like all the right times because they hit when emo itself was like big the yeah. scene if anyone knows what the scene is they were like they yeah. hit the right waves yeah i think that they're probably the biggest they are they're oh. like for like they're like the jordan of yeah like that era oh they were and then it, it helped too because they re- they retired on top they yeah. stopped and then they were just gone for forever and then they eventually came back. Yeah. And I was at the reunion show. I'll flex that for all the time. <laughs> um, but then they came back at the rat. So they never had, like, a time to get bad, if that yeah. makes sense. Because I feel like a lot of those bands, they kind of, like, existed past. They mm-hmm. put out albums that didn't compare with their earlier work. They fell off. And then they kind of, like, fell into, like, not obscurity, but they got less, like, popular yeah. as it went on. Mikem kind of skipped that and then just kind of like turned into like legendary band status and then they just came back big. Yeah. So I feel like they had a very interesting career because they were able to kind of like mm-hmm. skip the fall off by just stopping. Yeah. And kind of stopping as quick as they did almost created more like it made them more like mysterious, right? Yeah. There's these, you know. Not many people get to walk off into the sunset on their own terms. Yeah. As we know through sports and just culture in general, very rarely do we all. No. It's usually it's usually we're just swinging into the wind and yeah. maybe we should stop. No, honestly, there's very few like most sports people, most like sports legends eventually just have that season that you go, oh, yeah, they're done. Not, yeah, yeah. we're not coming back from this. Yeah, so they they, they really hit at the right time, and uh, I can aggressively sing all the words to uh, <laughs> Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Don't go. even don't, don't you, you like you don't even need the CD. I got you. <laughs> a lot of thirty year olds. So do you have? Does you have a favorite? You, I think I asked this last time. Yeah, a song. Uh, Bo- uh, Boy Division actually. Oh, okay. Which that's a that's, that's a deep, deep cut. Uh, After um, Danger Days, they released a series of EPs, mm-hmm. uh, which was supposed to kind of be leading to the next album, and that was the first song of the first EP. Okay. Um, and they've actually been playing it live a lot, and it was really good live. Um, but that was right before, and they, they, no one was quite sure why they broke up. It was kind of because Gerard had gotten clean for a really long time, yeah, and then he started to like Get waffle little. on it, and he realized he needed to like leave the, the schedule. And I can imagine, yeah, much like manga writers. Oh no, very much so. Yeah, it's very like make music, make music. Mm-hmm. Hurry, come on, we have like we invested money in yeah. you. You need to give us something in return, and that can be. Oh yeah, especially if you're touring too, because you're yeah. bouncing all over the country, and you, you know you're you're away from your family. There's more 
temptation and you're just rolling you're just going yep. and going and everyone everyone's trying to be your friend and <laughs> yep, you're like spider-man he's like they love me <laughs> no no that's exactly it so they they really just came in at the right time and that's just a band that i've always gone back really to enjoyed. yeah so so i think that'll roll in for my uh, no, uh number yeah, two number, spot number two yeah okay I think for me, so yeah, so I think I said the Night Angel probably is the second most influential that's existed on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll cheat ahead and go to, like I said, these are no particular order. I, I literally was in bed this morning like, okay, fuck. <laughs> I've read. Because <laughs> like I looked up like 50, like, because I'm just trying to refresh books yeah. that I've read and it's like, you know, top 50 books. And as, I'm just like, what the, f- like, what was I reading for the past 15 years of my life? Right. Because like none of the books I read are on this list. <laughs> I'm like, I read a lot of Halo books. Fuck. Oh, okay. But those Halo books they were are actually good. really good. They're very good. Those are also very worn out. Like those are mm-hmm. like ripped down the middle, like the front pages holding on. Yeah. I've just opened really- them up. Um, I'll do a uh, one that I do want to talk about. Maybe this will be a preview. Uh, is the Nevernight series Ooh. by Jay Kristoff. Uh, Nevernight tells the story of Mia Corvair. And so her mentor calls her Little Crow because Corvair is a term for, uh, uh, like, crow. Yeah. And so basically it's it's this, it's this Italian, like, Renaissance-themed world where there's three suns and the sun never sets. Mm-hmm. So they, there's never night. Yeah. There's never night. And so uh, her father is part of the, like, Senate and is tried. Basically, it's literally the beginning of the Assassin's Creed, too. Oh, is it really? Her father is tried for crimes against the Republic. Yeah. And he is hung and his her family is broken apart. She's, like, hunted down and, like, the killer in the ditch. Uh, she has an infant baby brother who goes missing. And then her mother's taken and, like, yeah. thrown in, like, the prison. And it's cool because they, they talk about this ancient thing. So they like, it's the this 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 world the city that she's in is supposed to be made from the bones of this dead god. Yeah. So everything is like that has bones is like blessed. Oh, that's cool. And so she discovers she has the ability to communicate with the shadows, and she can create shadows um, from the sun essentially. And she she has this shadow cat named Mister Kindly. Yeah. And he's like, I'll support you. He's like, I can give you you know I can give you power. And she ends up going to find this place known as the Red Church, yeah. where they train assassins. And she's like, "I'm gonna kill the guy who killed my dad, and I'm gonna like bring justice back." Yeah. And that's kind of what the premise of the story is: that she goes to this assassin's school, and it's like poisoning and yeah. how to mur- how to like murder quietly and like how to steal. So it's like these like little like Harry Potter classes, but they're all like how to murder things. Right. And so what's really interesting is that they have, like, secrets. So they teleport um, using blood pools. Yeah. So they you, like, lean back into the pool, and then you come out, and you're in another part of, like, the country. Oh, that's cool. And so they'll lean back into it, and then they come back out. And so they have that. Um, and I don't know. It was... The, uh, Jake Kristoff is the one who wrote Empire the Vampire, which, mm-hmm. spoilers, is also on this list. Uh, and I think it... She's... It's fun because she's a female character who's very strong. And usually a lot of times, like... And I've joked with this with, with Ashlyn. It was like you read a book about a, a, like a female protagonist, and then it's like, and then she met a boy, and you're like, yeah. oh. then and then she then she's now she has a decision to make, right? And she does meet a boy, but that's not her focus. She's very clear, like I'm trying to figure out how to kill the dude, right. kill my dad, right? If we fuck, great. If not, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I'm you know I'm trying to get this done. And so then like this, it's three books. Uh, it's Nevernight. God's Grave is the name of the city because uh-huh. that's where supposed to be where the god died, right? And then uh, I think it's Dark Watch is the last one. 
And that's, I remember that. So the, the, the it's one of my favorite series. Emmett knows because I finished the second book and it ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. I finished it at four in the morning and I went, what the fuck? Really loud. And I, I literally stormed out of my room and I just sat next to him at the couch. And I was like, I have to talk about this to somebody. <laughs> Emmett, you don't like to read, but I'm going to tell you the next, I'm tell you the, the, the next 600 pages of what this book is about and why I'm upset. Yeah. Because then I read it and I looked it up and it wasn't supposed to be released for like another year. Oh, it's always the hot. Like so the I was worst. like, fuck. So, uh, that, yeah, so the Night, uh, the Never Night series by Jay Kristoff is probably one of the more. And I, I tried to, uh, I actually created a series. I, I did, and I put a lot of that into a D&D campaign we did. Yeah. Um, like the blood pools and like the shadows and like and so yeah so then like the bad guys fight with sun swords and they're blessed by the sun yeah and they can burn shadow beings and stuff like that that sounds really good it is very fun it's very like roman italian yeah. centurion kind of stuff it's really fun I, i'm really excited to one day do i'm surprised i haven't done it yeah. yet but it's th- this is when i really want to get all the information down right because yeah. i really love this series that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I especially love the idea of like a city being in a dead god. That's a very like mm-hmm. Dark Soulsy. Oh kind yeah. Of, uh, so yeah. So like kind of shit. so they like they walk in a place called the Ribs, and mm-hmm. it's like these giant curved like structures that look like the ribs, ribs. of a giant thing. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's mine. What about you? What's your? All right, pulling pulling in on the next on the list. <laughs> uh, probably would be a Mastodon actually. Okay. Um. That was so. So the next couple ones we're we're, we're going to be getting into harder and harder music here for a while. Um, they so they're like a progressive metal band. Mm-hmm. So they kind of take the formula of like a more typical modern band, but then kind of complicate it with really interesting structures and uh, different kind of like dynamics in the sound. Mm-hmm. And um, they're really interesting because they do concept albums and they've done concept albums for a lot of their albums. They have one that's about Moby Dick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they they have uh, one that's about like this guy who turns on the to this wolf and like this mountain and he's like hunting for crystal. Like they're like these really fun like interesting like uh-huh. fantasy stories, and um, they're also uh, they're also they have they've also had a lot of like personal tragedies that, like um. happen to them. So a lot of these albums are very like heavy thematically. Mm. Uh, they have one called Emperor of Sand, which is up there with one of my as one of my favorite records of theirs, and that's about. Um, the bass player, uh, Troy Sanders, his wife uh, got cancer. So it's kind of like about dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Like Ember said, like a metaphor for like running out of time. The sand's no, always like okay. ticking away. And uh, what I really enjoy about them is Brent Hines, who's the lead guitar player of Mastodon, for heavy music. Um, well, because the term metal itself came from um, the tuning of the guitars and the effects used. Okay. Because the different the, the original differential from metal and rock was metal was a more synthetic sound. Uh-huh. It was uh, the guitars had just that like that metal like, like a metal sound, sound yeah. to it. It was it was farther away. It wasn't as bright. It wasn't as earthy as a regular yeah. like rock like tone is. That's just where the differential came. But Brett Hines plays almost like classic rock leads. Okay. Which it sits really interestingly, like in mm. the because the with the harder music, but then you get like these really pretty leads. Okay. And you can like tell his playing like instantly because he he learned to play the banjo okay. before he learned to play the guitar. As you, as as every good guitar should. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> so he has like a lot of like interesting like bluegrass and almost like countryish um like tones to his guitar playing. Mm-hmm. And it really, like, it's this really interesting layer to the music. And in my opinion, that's, like, what really sets them off. 
Um, and with that is that three members sing. Okay. So, so you do have like backup vocals. And yeah. That's kind of it. But they all like would either sing lead on an individual track or they would all sing lead on the same track. Oh, interesting. Okay. So they and they all have really unique voices. Mm-hmm. So the way that they're like carrying through these songs is you get these really cool like vocal melodies and vocal interplays. Yeah. That um because as they went on, they had a lot of harsh vocals, a lot of screaming, and then they kind of transitioned away from that, which really, it depends on your mood, but the way they do the vocals now is they're super layered, they're super complex, because they all have different, like, things they can contribute into it. And um, they it's it's just, like, um, it's, it's for a musical that's, like, I'm like, I'm so smart, because I understand the music, but it's just really interesting. And as they've gotten older in their career they've done a lot more like they've got a lot of radio play Mm -hmm. um with their last couple albums which made some of the purists mad because they're like oh no they're writing mainstream music now (laughs) they're selling out they're selling out but no uh they've just experimented with a lot of different types of music and uh yeah and they've always kind of sat in that i've seen them live um is that a reoccurring trend in this is that we see you've seen a lot of i've tried to see a lot of these live um What's uh, what's Mastodon's best song? Mastodon's best song. Or like that's what that's what we're gonna do. So like yeah, recommend what's oh. the, what's the song for somebody who's never listened to Mastodon? What would they? What should oh, they take a gander at? They've... I mean, ooh, that's I mean, my personal favorite is the Last Baron. Okay. Um, but probably the most um, like recognizable one of their songs is let me. Uh, the name Blood and Thunder. I can't believe I um, blanked on that for a second. But Blood and Thunder. It's the it's the first track off of Moby Dick, and it's off of Leviathan, which is about Moby Dick. Okay. And it's literally about Moby Dick, and it's a rad song. <laughs> it's uh, it it's always their closer. It has this awesome, just like crushing riff in it. It has this great dual guitar in the middle of the song. Uh-huh. And something you're 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 gonna notice a lot um, that I'm gonna be bringing up in this list is a lot of the guitar players I'm talking about have a very unique voice through their guitar playing. And a lot of these songs... Because a lot of... Like, a good band, right, you'll listen to it and be like, oh, that's good guitar. But in my opinion, like, a great band, I can listen to it and, like, know who it is. Okay. And a lot of my favorite bands, I can listen to the music and know who they are based off what their guitar playing sounds like. Okay. Because guitar playing is a lot like singing in a way. You all like they all have their own unique voices Hell and yeah. the way they phrase lines and stuff like that, and it comes up a lot. And it, and I think the last Baron that song's like twelve minutes long, but they're just like so like some of the the interplay they do on that is just amazing in the guitar uh-huh. in the guitar lines. And I would really okay. recommend those songs. All right, put it down, people. Mastodon. Um, I guess I'll do. Like I said, no particular order because I realized my, a lot of my list is dystopian books. Yeah, <laughs> which is I, I also very ironic because Ashton loves dystopian books as well. We have this weird like it has to be fucked up and sad, right. which I guess is a Warhammer. Yeah, it makes and, sense. Uh, yeah, comes from and stuff. But uh, although uh, 1984 actually by, really? George, by George Orwell, I love that book. That's yeah, I really like that book. An aggressive amount. I don't know. I, I always like. I like when they create, like, terminology, right? Because that's where, like, the term double think came from. Yeah. That was, like, double meaning, double entendre words came from from George Orwell, like, establishing a government that, like, is creating new words to, like, replace words that could mean certain things. Yeah. Hide them and stuff like that. And I really, I like, 
Maybe it's with the appeal of Star Wars is to me, but I like the idea of like a government that like the people can fight like yeah. fight back against, right? Like, right. Like I've always like seeing, oh, who's the scrappy rebel group that we're right, gonna that's get? Gonna, yeah, that's gonna figure this out. Um, and I think that was interesting in the fact that there is no scrappy yeah. rebel group. They they win. Yeah, the government continues. Yeah, and they're just like, and just like it's always interesting seeing seeing now, like looking back at what they thought, like what the fears of government could be, and. Yeah. Seeing how it affects now, um, but I don't know. I just think he's. It's just an interesting world. Yeah, it's a very you know it's very interesting. And because just like like the whole purpose right is we only know about that one with, yeah. with their London right. Yeah. We only know about them, but we're hearing whispers of what like U.S. Right. United States is happening and Eurasia and all this right. stuff. But like, do we really know? Because they're controlling all the information and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just. I think it also caught me in, it was in, like, I was, like, 16. Yeah. So, that oh, was, yeah. oh, dystopian, like, no, we could be the rebellion one day and shit no, like exactly. that. exactly. Um, so, yeah, so a little a little bit of a darker series. I also like the, the twist of, like, that they put a plan in mm-hmm. to fuck with him. So, anyone who doesn't know, it's about this man. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. But he's, like, having thoughts about going against the government because he's, like, things aren't adding up. So they introduce this woman who's like, I also am going to go up against the government. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God. Yeah, as we yeah. all know, most all, most men will go, oh my God. Me too. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, baby. And ha ha, you idiot. I was a plant the, the whole, whole time. time. Yeah. And then they, like, they like turn like, and then he's like, well, was it always a plant? Did she ever love me? Like, was it? And just kind of like that psychological, like it turns into a psychological thriller at the end. Yeah. And like, I don't know what's up. And the government's a good. You don't know what's up. So, and then I like the like the mystery of love and like yeah. the, the the stuff like that. And I think, I think because it, I think I like dystopian because it always there's always some form of hope mm-hmm. in the stories. Yeah. Just because like like there is there's an idea that there's somebody out there who's like hey this isn't right like right. we can We're fight through so, this. Yeah. Um, I have used 1984 <laughs> for my D and D campaigns. As well, I've taken like the the secret police, and yeah, stuff like that as ideas. Um, but yeah, so 1984, kind of a boring one because I know and I know a lot of people like have read it and I'm like I don't like it was too depressing because it's it's he writes very like the character is very oppressed. Yeah, he's a very sad man. Well, I feel like that's like the point of the book though. It's not supposed to be a yeah. happy. <laughs> no, it's not a happy right. book. You know, Big Brother is always watching, mm-hmm. right? And, like, you see that in, like, video games, right? Bioshock, mm-hmm. you see all that, like, we're watching yeah, yeah. you, we're, you know, the the police state, all that kind of stuff. I don't know, I think it's interesting to see, like, how... I always, always think it's really interesting when you see, like, writers predicting that stuff. And there are, like, not, like... I mean, it is happening in some countries. But you do see, like, oh, like, there are, like, like smartphones, right? They yeah. can hear They can hear what we're talking about. Uh-huh. And they'll give you ads for the thing we talked about, yeah, and stuff like that, and like knowing like that, like there isn't a Big Brother, but there is in a sense because there is, but there very easily could be. Yeah. That's the that's in the scary. The, thing. Yeah. yeah, in theory, you're like, oh wow, we really are kind of close to that. Like, yeah. I don't know, it's just cool, to, like cool in the sense of like wow, like these dudes, like 1948, were like, mm-hmm. yeah, what if, what if this happens, and then now it's kind of like happening, right? Exactly. And we're like, uh oh. <laughs> it could be happening it could you. be happening right now we don't know it while trapped in the machine Tony Pilot do you have some more positive than <laughs> oppression by the government man I'm running out of uh, happiness here uh, <laughs> I think uh, we'll, we'll just pull in the next one a nice happy man uh, Megadeth uh, there we go <laughs> 
There we go. I do know that they're coming to Aftershock this year. Oh, and I am aggressively excited. <laughs> wanting to go. Yeah, Megadeth is like... It's funny because there's this joke in the metal community because you either like Metallica mm-hmm. or you like Megadeth. Because um, and you have to pick one. You can't like both of them. Uh, which is obviously silly. You can like both of them, obviously. But but obviously you pick the side. But obviously you pick a side. <laughs> uh, and that's well, that's because Dave Mustaine, who is the lead singer guitar player of Megadeth, was in Metallica. Oh, okay. He was the original guitar player of Metallica. Okay. And he helped write them a lot of their early original songs. Uh huh. And they someone didn't get paid enough. They had a fall. They were so it was a big combination of everybody was an asshole. Oh uh, yeah. And Dave Mustaine was an asshole that the guys Metallica were, and basically they ended up leaving him. Oh. They just left him. They oh. got the bus. They packed up everything, and they left him at a hotel with nothing and no money. And I he, can see why he'd be a little upset. And he woke up, looked around, and was like, "They left me." <laughs> They do this every year. <laughs> so that's how they kicked him out of the band. Damn, dude. So he literally had to, like, bum his way back home. And in that bus, driving back with, you know, his guitar, uh, he was very mad. Oh, I bet. And he was literally like, I'm going to make a better band. And that, that and that's where Megadeth came from. Oh, okay. And that's why they have, like, similar, like, Sounds. like logos. Oh, okay. They were very, and for a long time, they hated yeah. Like, he hated them. They were the Hatfields and the McCoys of metal. Yeah. And, no, they, they literally were. And, um, but Metallica ended up being the most commercially successful. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they were part of what was called the Big Four. Oh, the big uh, four. Not another big. No, it's very people. And again, this is people not understanding because people do. The, it's the same thing with the big three of anime. People yeah. don't understand fundamentally why they're called the big four. Uh-huh. So now people are always like, "What's the new big yeah, four? Uh-huh. They were the big four of thrash because they were the biggest, most successful bands, mm-hmm. and it was commercially successful. It was Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax. Okay, and they just were. They dominated everything, and they dominated everything. And people will be like, oh, there were bands that were better than Bulb. It's not about that. It's about, like, like, like Metallica was getting number one records. Uh, Megadeth got up to number two. And these are on the Billboard 100. Yeah. Getting a thrash album up to number two on the Billboard Top 100. 100 is wild. For all music. Not for all, for, no, yeah. and not on the rock charts. For all music. Yeah. That's wild. And uh, people try to be like, oh, there's a, there's no new big four. There's no new, like, <laughs> the, 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 there will never be that kind of, like, these were just super successful. They were sell- they were getting platinum records, multi-platinum records. Yeah. Um, and Megadeth was, was right on that. Um, eventually, they, they mellowed out as they got older. They all... <laughs> I think they got to an age where, like, you know, we can coexist. We're all we're both making a shit ton of money, guys. What are we fighting yeah. about? And they they fought for forever on rights because he wrote a lot of those early Metallica songs. Uh, they didn't credit him on uh, those early records. No. Yeah, it's always about money. It's man. always about money. He wasn't getting any royalties. He actually wanted to waive the royalties. This was his thing. He said, "You don't have to pay me. Mm-hmm. I just want my name wow. as a writing credit." That went forever. I think he eventually got it. Cause yeah, cause like, okay, well, we're not paying you. You're not paying. It. He just wanted the. Yeah, he just wanted to say I <laughs> acknowledge. Me. Yeah, no, that was literally it. Like uh. you son of a bitch. <laughs> and um, yeah, and they've and again that was one of the first CDs I ever bought was Megadeth's uh, Greatest Hits album. Very odd choice for probably how old I was, uh-huh. but you know what? <laughs> we're living on the, and that's a band that I've uh, always bounced back to. Um, 
I have the they they have a very famous mascot named Vic Rattlehead. Okay. Which uh, is this big like zombie looking dude? And I have the special editions of the CDs, so oh, on my shelf, uh-huh. they, they you put them all together. Oh yes, you told me about that. And it's his head. Play, yeah. Which on one hand is kind of, I have to buy a bunch of CDs just because <laughs> I I have that OCD where uh, I need I his to head. Fix the picture. I literally had different versions of a couple of the CDs, and I bought <laughs> the new ones so that I could make the head. Just threw them. No, no, I need. Which is the ultimate. Like I, I get they got me. Yeah. But like I needed to do it. I get that. No, I totally understand um, that. And again, it's that real, and that like Megadeth is very like. And you'll probably for what we were talking about yesterday, like your love of rage against the machine and stuff. Very like, oh, the government, yeah, yeah, the system the is system. Yeah. Oh, they make it as little has an album called "The System Has Failed," and that album cover is it has George Bush on the cover, and it's Hillary Clinton, and it's uh, like the UN's blowing up, and like it's very like. Megadeth is not subtle, but it's it, yeah. it appeals to like that like fuck the system. Yeah, like, I'm different. I'm yeah. different. I, uh, I'm having original thoughts. But it, there's something about metal that conveys that, like, anger yeah. that I think... Everybody uh, yeah. goes towards. And that everyone goes through. And it's that kind of genre. I think that and rap mm. kind of are the best... Anti-system music. An, like, anti Because it's hard to write a pop song about how you don't like the man. And the government it is bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can do it. And there are songs that have been like yeah. that. But as far as, like, getting actual, like oomph to it that yeah. it, it really like they have a one of their classic songs i guess i'll throw out a recommendation uh would be holy wars punishment due okay well that's not subtle that's no it's a, they well they went to ireland and he didn't he made a comment about and this was in the height of like the, the, IRA, and the, the ira and he made a comment about something and he didn't realize it was like a yeah it, i think it was something like god bless or something like something like that and that like almost set off like it's like riot, a global event, a global event, and, and, and it's about that. It's a the riffs on that song are crazy, and again, he has a very um, um, interesting. Uh, he he was a rhythm guitar player, played a lot of solos in there too. Um, they have some amazing lineups, some amazing songs, and they just uh, and I think they got less thrashy as they went on and went kind of more of a, in a progressive style. They they've done all kinds of stuff where they almost went hard rock on one album. And this is this is my hot take, Daniel. They have uh, this one album. It is not a metal album. Uh-huh. It should have just been his solo album, but uh, it has itself to make it up on it. There are some great songs. There are um, that are just like great like rock songs. We're gonna get Megadeth break through the window. <laughs> no, because people are like this is not metal. How dare you? But I will forever defend the album was literally named Risk oh, because yeah. it was it was a yeah giant risk. It was a giant risk. Um. But it, it was great, and, and like I said, Holy Wars Punishment do is uh, <laughs> if you really want to be fight the system. <laughs> that's a big one. That's a big one. That's a great song. Or uh, another wonderfully named uh, Peace Sells, but who's buying? Oh, I remember that one. Yep. Oh, some Rock Band Two memories yeah. playing Peace Sells, but who's buying? Um, which is literally that song was about how uh, like war profiteering. Well, not war profiteering, but how having the image of being. Like evil, like being like a musician, right? And you have like this edgy image. Uh-huh. It's about how like we're really just like normal dudes in the band, but P like if P sells, who's buying it? Yeah. You have to put on this like, ooh, I'm evil. I have to ooh, be the I, fight, I fight the system. Blah yeah. blah blah. And that's what that song is about. It's oh, about okay. like really, I'm just like this normal guy. I'm Steve. I mean, no, that's basically it. But if P sells, 
Yeah. Who's buying? Yeah. And that's that's what that song is about. I got you. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So that so that definitely appealed and it still appeals, you know, when I'm when I'm driving to work and I'm thinking, I wanna go here. <laughs> Holy wars, what should we do? <laughs> I don't wanna be here. Somebody And I yes, yeah, so this is a this one band, um I'm very excited to see it aftershock. I will be at the front living the fighting the system and fighting the man. Uh, they have the actually have really cool because they have their whole setup. So it's like a bunch of TVs. Oh, okay. so it's all like like propaganda stuff. Yeah. We'll like play in the back. It's uh, it's a really okay. cool like. Oh yeah, sixteen fight the system. Oh like, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Oh yeah, but uh, no, that's gonna round out my number four spot. Number four. <laughs> what, what what a grim darkness uh, are we looking over? In oh the... okay, we're about to enter grim dark for me too. Uh, no, this is like I said. So number five, I typed out on my wrist on my list is called the Iron Widow. Okay. Uh, forgive me. This is a Chinese author, so if I get her name wrong, I <laughs> deeply apologize. Shiran uh, J. Zhao. I think you did good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, we'll let let them tell me if I got it right now. Uh, she wrote this book called The Iron Widow, and essentially, it is a story that is stylized after a mecha anime. In her books, she talked about wanting to do uh, like Chinese mythology. Yeah, and she watched the anime Darling in the Franks. Oh, okay, which is a very good anime that I enjoyed. And she was like, "I want to write a book, kind of retelling this Chinese mythology Mm -hmm. of the first female empress of China at the time." Yeah, and so the story involves the Iron Widows. So it's so basically aliens are attacking the Earth. Okay, in China. And we have created, or the Chinese have created, mo- like mobile suits essentially. Yeah. However, you need a male and a female pilot. Oh, that's cool. To uh, pilot it, and her sister is taken as usually. That's what the families do is they just, like sell them off. Yeah. To like, because they're living in podunk things, and it actually in- introduced me to this thing. And I don't know if you've ever known this, but like in Chinese culture back then, uh, they would break their the the dot women's feet. And, oh. and so when they're children, they would like break them and then not let them heal correctly. And yes, was, yes, and they would wear these slippers. And so she talks about that a lot because she's like, I can't walk. And yeah, stuff like that. And it was very terrifying. I'm gonna be honest. It very was eye opening. Like man, like it was not fun to be. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. And so she, uh, so her sister dies. So basically, when you share, the male counterpart over, always overtakes the women's yeah. like chi energy essentially. Yeah. And so her sister dies, and she's like, "Revenge! Yeah. It's my turn to get into this motherfucking robot, baby. Yeah, and I'm gonna kill these fuckers, basically. And so it's cool because the the mobile suits are designed after like Chinese mythology. So there's like the black tortoise, white tiger, yeah. the crimson phoenix, um, and it's it, she's this woman is like she's really cool because she's." <laughs> There's a scene where she eventually is able to achieve the thing, and she gets back the pilot. She kills the pilot who yeah. killed his sister. Her sister, and she like, care- like she like brings him out of the cockpit and like throws him down and goes, "I did it! Uh, Who's gonna stop me? Like, I'm like your god! Yeah. No, literally, that's what yeah. she does because um, it's like it's like a celebrity thing, kind of like yeah. Pacific Rim. Yeah. So like like these like floating like cameras will show up and they're like like pilots, tell us about how you're feeling about the fight. Yeah. And all this stuff. And so, yeah, so she knows that they do that. So she's like, come here, fuck her. And like, so he's, like, dead in the chair. And she, like, throws him out in front of the camera. And it's like, I am your... And then she goes, I am your nightmare. Prepare for what I have in store. And everyone's like, oh, my God. Oh my God. And I was like, that's fucking cool. That is really cool. 
And so it's about like there's more behind it. There's, yeah. there's a government conspiracy, and like you find out about the aliens and yeah. And it's but yeah, so she it's like it's cool because she talks about like I really like that anime. I thought it'd be cool to write a story about it while influ- combining Chinese mythology, and like showing that like Chinese women yeah really went through some stuff. They really yeah, and it is and it's interesting because it's sold it sold that target at least in the young adult aisle yeah. And in the beginning of the book, it says this book has references to like sexual violence. Really young adult domestic, domestic abuse, like, just like what be- are we doing? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, Target really doesn't know who the demographic for this is. But it's really cool. She uh, rose to fame when the live action Mulan came out, oh. and she was doing a lot of reaction videos because she's a, a very knowledgeable in Chinese history. Yeah, so she would explain like things and like some of the decisions they made and like how it's not really that accurate to true Chinese yeah culture and stuff like that. So she was really cool. And when she's like, I'm writing a book, I was like, fuck, giant robots. As you know, I'm. Oh, you're talking for giant I love, robots. I love giant robots. So one day I'd like to do another book about the Iron Widow. And so that's what the women who pilot them are called Iron Widow. The who oh. kill who kill their male pilots are, are called, called Iron Widows. That's cool. Yeah. So. That's uh. Was it written in Chinese or was it written in? It was written in English. It was written in English. Yeah, she's Chinese Canadian. I, oh, gotcha. I believe I might be entirely wrong, but yeah. And so she has like art for her like books and like so she has like designs of the mechs and stuff and it's really cool. Giant robots, man. So that's my number five. I really, any of these. Uh, yeah, no, that's sick. Like, <laughs> no, tell me more. <laughs> Those are some good twists. Yeah, it's yeah. very, it's a very studio trigger yeah. story. Like, like reading it, I'm like, this is this is Gurren Lagann. This is Evangelion. This is, this is... And you and like you can get yeah. like, this response. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, all right, rolling in. Uh, <laughs> coming on down, like I'm down. <laughs> uh, we're gonna throw in Children of Bottom. Okay, so these are all bands. So me and me and Zach hang out obviously yeah. a lot outside of the podcast, and I always hear like all these bands. I'm like, okay, like you play yeah. this a lot. You play this band. Yeah. You play. So okay, so, it's all it's all coming together. together yep. Uh, and Children of Bottom. I actually got to talk about the name really quick. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say it's a fun story. It's not really a fun story. Oh, okay. So are you familiar with the Lake Bottom Murders? No. So this was in Finland or something. Again, this is in this scary <laughs> land where horrible things happen in Europe. <laughs> Much they, um, I forget which country it is specifically, but there's this uh, town called Bottom, and there's Lake Bottom. Mm-hmm. And this group of kids there was murdered, uh-huh. but there was one survivor. Oh, okay. Um, and all that they could really keep talking about was that they were killed by a Grim Reaper with a scythe. Oh. And they, yeah, these kids were like, no, we saw, we saw the devil. Yeah, no, it was literally some like the way it was this. There literally was one survivor. All the other kids were literally slashed to death. Uh, and yeah. it was that there was like this grim reaper who had a scythe and glowing red eyes. And that's what killed them. Interesting. That's the bottom. They grew up around. So the band grew up around oh, that area. Yeah. The, they are the children, children of the bottom. bottom. It refers to that. And their their mascot, because a lot of bands have mascot, is a uh, grim mm-hmm. reaper with a scythe. Really, that didn't get a lot of flack for. Believe it or not, no. No, really, that's because you usually like here that would get a lot of heat. That from, would get a lot of heat. Like, oh, you're disrespecting their memories. No, <laughs> honestly, no. It was I. Granted, I don't know. <laughs> you weren't reading the local Finnish, the, the, the Finnish local news. Finnish news. It could have. Um, they, I believe, they were actually really like really big. Uh-huh. Um, up here, less so, but in Europe, and especially in their uh, home country, were huge. And they're they're what you call mellow death, uh, okay. melodic death metal. Okay. Um. So there's a lot of um, death metal elements in there. And another fun fact story for you is death metal comes from a band called Death. 
Okay. There was a band called Death, and oh yes, I think we talked about yeah. that in the Mayhem episode. Yes, and it was bands that <laughs> throwback. I think yeah, you should yeah. listen to it. <laughs> uh, they uh, it was bands that wanted to sound like Death. Yeah. That's where the term death metal yeah, came from. Was okay. music that sounded like that. And then there were subgenres that broke off, and one was mellow death. So it was the idea of taking kind of the structure of death metal and throwing in a lot of melodic elements. And in Children of the Bottom's case, it was throwing in a lot of classical music elements. So it would be uh, Alexi Leo, who was the lead, it was his the whole band was his like brainchild. Okay. And he was the uh, guitar player, and he was the uh, vocalist. And um, he was like a neoclassical guitar player, so it had they had this really unique sound because he had beautiful melodies, but it would be contrasted against the harshness of the rest of the music. Yeah. So uh, they they just have this very like you hear them and you oh, oh that's no. Children of Bottom like you instantly recognize it. And then from there, there were so many people who tried to like replicate it, replicate it, and they could never quite get, get the, it there. Yeah. And for me, so it was this mixture of, like, that music. And it had, like, there's a thing called power metal, which is about, like, wizards and dragons. And that's what they sing about. It was like yeah. that. So it was, like, taking that almost framework of the music and then and then adding that. And then a lot of the lyrics in Children of Bottom, Alexi, uh, rest in peace, uh, was a very, he yeah. was the Gerard Way, uh, if okay. Gerard Way never got uh-huh. better. So it was that kind of, like, you had, like, this almost emo kid lyrics mm-hmm. combined with this music and it was just kind of like this perfect like where, where it just worked it just worked and it just worked for me um alexi unfortunately uh never got better uh-huh. at one point decided he was going to just drink until he died and his liver detached wow yeah That's he because he, he that was his like things he was just like this wild child and yeah. he just you, there was a, hardly ever a picture of him without just like something in his d- hand. without something in his hand and um, it was, he just went, and then one day, because he literally, there was a music video almost right before, and he looked not good. And his liver just literally detached from the inside of his body. Wow. Just gave up. <laughs> it was no. that. It just, and it and it killed him. Yeah. And um, he had, so Children of Bottom had just broken up before that, too. Uh, and he was saying some wild shit about the rest of the band. And the rest of the members, because it would have been the rest of the members for a long time. They yeah. never said anything about him. And uh, afterwards, they kind of revealed, like, he had gotten so bad, he was, like, stealing from the band financially uh, in order to, like, buy keep, like, keep his habits, to keep his habits and stuff. And But they never wanted to say anything while he was alive because they realized the person they knew was kind of, like gone yeah this is this is somebody else this is somebody who was really sick yeah and it's it's very unfortunate because he literally had so much talent and Mm -hmm. um kind of one of the universally agreed upon one of the best guitar players that's ever been but he just had a lot of demons he couldn't shake Uh but the music he left is uh amazing yeah and uh if i had (laughs) there's a lot of these just kind of depressing stories (laughs) i mean i'm much better my dystopian stories that's true but if i had to throw out a song it would be uh hate me actually okay and that is literally the perfect it's literally has a beautiful melodic Mm. passage like it just sounds like adventure and fun and then you listen to the lyrics and you're like oh this man is very sad he needs a hug he needs a hug and it's this really weird where he had this mind for these like I said, these beautiful melodies, but he was also 
Right, pushing through some stuff. And uh, on the last album that they put out before he died, and this was when he was kind of locked in his his ways. The downhill was beginning. There's kind of some, like, there's some songs on there that you go and listen to them now, and you're like, oh, because the song opens with a, the album opens with a song called This Road, which is literally him saying, this road's going to kill me. And then the the next one is uh, Grass and Clover, which is when you're like, yeah. And again, it was like, you could tell he was like, kind of, I'm on my way out. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, they are, they're an amazing band. Um, and like I said, Hate Me would be a great track to look at and kind of sit and see if you kind of dig with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for my next spot, I have the book Annihilation. By- <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do something on me, I swear. <laughs> by Jeff Vandermeer. Uh, Jeff Vandermeer, he's like a sci-fi biology writer. Yeah. So a lot of his writing uh, has like biotechnology involved. Yeah. It's kind of like what I imagine, like Amer- like American, because like Resident Evil is about that, right? Because they always talk about like that. So the zombies are like bio weapons. Yes. They're biological weapons of warfare, and like that's kind of like what his stories is about. So Annihilation is a story about this woman, unnamed. Um, and so there's like this like zone, like a dead, like mm-hmm. a like a like a warp zone, yeah. I guess. And so they've sent like all these, exp- these they've sent like four man expeditions in, and they just people either come out okay, they, or no, they don't come out. They either come out like one person comes out, and then they end up like killing themselves, yeah, or like nobody comes out, right. And so her husband went in the last expedition, so she's like, I'm going in next. And so when they're in there, it's a lot of like. Basically, imagine like Pandora from Avatar, how he's like everything's trying to kill, kill you. you yeah. So like, like there's like hallucinogenics in the air, and it's like this weird like like almost like like by like techno fey realm. Yeah. So like they go in there, and she's just trying to find her husband. She's yeah. like, I just need to know what happened to him, and like, like people start to hallucinate, and like they like think like up is down, left is right. right. Just like deer with like half melted faces and this like This is a movie, isn't it? It is a movie. Okay, yeah, so yeah, it yeah. was a book first. Okay. And it's part of a series. Okay. So if you watch the movie and go, none of this makes sense. There's more books to explain. Gotcha. And then like one of them goes crazy and they're trying to figure out Yeah. Like she's like, I'm just losing my like basically everybody has reached reaches this like lighthouse. Yeah. And then somebody cracks and like kills the others. Yeah. And like and so they find like records of it like happening over and over and over and so they're trying to figure out like what about this lighthouse like is what's causing people right. to crack, and so eventually she like the whole her whole team gets killed because one of them cracks and she, right. she kills her yeah and so it's her trying to like well what do we what do we do I mean because she's her husband came back yeah but he didn't come back you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah so she's like what happened and then that made him come back and he's just like. Because eventually he does come back, and I think she's like, he's not, it's not him. Right. It's something else. Yeah. Like, and so she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go in there, too. Let's, let's see what we got going yeah, on here. Yeah, so that's kind of it, and it's this weird, like, biotech, and he wrote this other book called Born, called B-O-R-N-E, and I told you it was one with the bear. Yeah. And so that one's cool, because it's this couple who live in this, like, dystopian town where this giant, like, 40-foot bear just, like, <laughs> just runs, literally just runs around and, like, blows up shit. Yeah. And no one can kill it, and so it's just these people living in it, and they find this, like, bio-organism that, like, kind of like a, like, ditto. Yeah. From Pokemon that can just turn into, like, things, and yeah. it's, like, it becomes, it starts to, to gain sentience, and, like, 
them it, like it turns into like this weird child thing. It's not like a child, but it's like this giant blob that's mm-hmm. childlike, and they're trying to like raise it. Well, also, and it fell off the bear. That's like the oh, whole thing. There. So it's like, where the fuck did the bear get it from? So he does like a lot of that kind of like bio yeah. tech. It's like horror thrillers. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I really like that kind of stuff. I realized, and his, it's a genre that I feel like like it reminds me a lot of what Resident Evil supposed mm-hmm. to be. Yeah, that like oh we can create, you know instead of but instead of like giant. Like, it's kind of like body horror. Yeah, like the idea that you're like that uncomfortable, like mm. like it's like when you see like a fungus or something. Yeah, you're like, you're like, Ew. yeah, you're like, like, no, that's not good. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's kind of the vibe, and I like that. And it has like, because then it's very like they're hallucinating, so they don't know what's happening, and the annihilation. They're like, well, what's up? What's down? Who's? I hear sounds. I hear sounds. I hear, I hear, yeah. yeah, and it has like a Blair Witch kind of vibe with like I guess with a biotech yeah. horror in it and stuff like that. So that's that's how. That. Promise we're gonna have a happy book. I don't think I have a happy book after this, but uh, you want to take over with? Yeah, I'll take. You, you know what? I'm gonna do a happy one. Okay, there we go. I'm gonna and this one has a fun story actually. Uh, meatloaf. Okay. I fucking love meatloaf. <laughs> um, and there's actually a reason uh, that I can trace it back to. Uh huh. I was in a class. It was uh, uh, geometry. Okay. With Mr. French. Okay. And I just want to give a big shout out to Mr. French. Uh-huh. Uh, he was the re- he was just a really cool dude. Uh-huh. And like my senior year he was I needed help with the SATs for math and he was doing these SAT prep like question thing, like these like prep tests. Mm-hmm. And I went, I was the only person who showed up. Oh. But he stayed like the entire time. Yeah. And just literally helped me and he was like the reason like I did well and like oh, got okay. through that stuff. And um which that's like a huge shout out to teachers yeah. that actually like like go in there for the students. Um, but what we were in there finding these sides of triangles. Okay. And you know, you have uh, two you have two sides, you can find the third side. Yeah. And he said, well, two out of three ain't bad, which is the name of a very uh, famous Meatloaf song. Uh, and he made us watch the music video. <laughs> which, he made you watch the music video. And oh, my life has changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I just, there's something about like... Um, because I, for anyone who, like, Meatloaf just bad out of hell, two out of three ain't bad. Uh, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and there was something about, like, when I was younger, like, a lot of, like, classic rock bands, they don't talk about feelings necessarily, I don't think. Uh, no. Or, or it's about them doing drugs. Doing drugs. Or, or, yeah, or, like, and, and that's something, too. Not, before, like, the big emo, like... <laughs> Wave. Yeah. There wasn't a ton of bands that, like, talked about, like, emotions. No. And Meatloaf, while obviously very exaggerated mm-hmm. versions of emotions, it was like, oh, like, you you can be sad, and you yeah. can do, like, you know, and it was like, I don't know, it just, like, hit. It was, For, it was emo light. It was emo light, yeah. yeah. And they were, um, he worked with Jim Steinman, and Jim Steinman has a very interesting way of writing music. Uh-huh. Jim Steinman's productions are very... They're like mini Broadway plays. He wrote uh, A Total Eclipse of the Heart, Holding Out for a Hero. Oh, okay. He wrote a ton of like, so those are his kind of like these big, like larger than life stories. stories. And Meatloaf was a bigger, larger than life guy. Um, And the thing about Meatloaf, like Meatloaf was a very large dude. He was very fat. And that's why he was called called Meatloaf because he... He knew people would make fun of him for how so he, he looked. So he just embraced it. He just because when he was in high school, he played um, offensive line. A uh, big, yeah. 
and they called him Meatloaf uh, because he was big. Yeah. And I and he was just like, you know what? People are going to. So if I like change, mm-hmm. if I change, take the narrative yeah. away from them, yeah, I'll be meat. Like if yeah. people, like people are going to make fun of me, I'll just this is who I am. Yeah. And so that's why it was called Meatloaf because okay. he was yeah because he was big. Oh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, literally that was yeah. that was why. And it was just like, um, but he had so much. He was in Broadway. Uh, he was in a ton of. He was the original cast member of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, really? And then he was in the movie uh-huh. because he his vocal range was one of the only people who could actually like sing the song correctly. So uh-huh. they brought him in to be in the movie too. Okay. Uh, he was a. We were talking about this yesterday. He was in a ton of bit parts. He was in um, like Fight Club. Oh, <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats. He yeah. was the bus driver. Um, okay. So he was just like a ton of like. It was, it was like cool being like yeah like the Miz he's kind of like a cool being a bit guy he's yeah. like oh, up. Yeah, what's up and uh, his first record came out in the 70s and it went diamond which means mm-hmm. it sells t- his f- very first record sold over 10 million copies which is a lot that, yeah and then he had like this he had a he, played, he had a uh, almost a nervous breakdown oh, yeah. where he lost the ability to sing for a while oh okay. because he was that stressed about being in front of people and like performing mm. and by the time he came back the the heat had kind of come off a little bit okay and he put out oh some really good records uh but he didn't really hit commercially again until the 90s actually when he came out with bad out of hell 2 which had a ton of hits okay and then that kind of like so he has like this really weird career where he has like these m- two massive like <laughs> um really productive periods and then like the 80s just kind of like happened Rocky Horror and yeah. doing kind of bit stuff and there was some really I mean, there, was some, there was a couple of really good records but those were like his main um, claims to fame his main claims to fame and uh, it was just like I just when I was younger I just connected to that larger than life mm-hmm. just kind of like huh I'm gonna kind, of, kind of like getting in touch with uh, how I feel <laughs> Well, uh, well, shout out to Meatloaf for helping you. Yeah, for getting through the dark times. Discover, discover yourself a little bit. And uh, I think um, if I'm gonna put, put out a recommendation, it would probably have to be the song "Bad Out of Hell," um, which again I can sing every word to that song very dramatically. There will be one day where I will be at a karaoke, yeah, we'll and all these years of training will finally come <laughs> in handy. I've seen I can do all the dramatic hand gestures. <laughs> I could recreate the entire music video, and I'm waiting for the day where this this life this is a very specific life. I have still. this stuff in my car. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, it's time. <laughs> Make the set. Hurry. Oh, he wore like these big like puffy shirts. Uh-huh. Like, oh like yeah, yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh, I'm ready, Daniel. I just got it in the car. <laughs> Be at the holiday Christmas party, just like for uh, for work, just like pushing. I mean, no, I'm meatloaf. I would do anything for love. But uh, no, that was a huge hit. And uh, and again, shout out to uh, Mr. French for uh, really hanging for in the there. love of this. Yeah, yeah for for, love, love for not only a love of music, but also for just being a, a good teacher. So. Congratulations! Well, awesome. Shout out to yeah. We all need good teachers in our lives. <laughs> shout out, bless. Uh, I mean, ironically, a lot of these really random picks I read in high school because of my English mm-hmm. classes and mm-hmm. stuff. So shout out to my teachers, Miss Finney. Miss Finney mm-hmm. was our English two teacher, and then she was my AP English language teacher, and then Miss Bunny. Oh. That was her first name, but everybody just called her Miss Bunny, Bunny or Bunny because her sister's name was Bambi. Oh, was Bunny, Bunny, Bunny and Bambi. Uh, she was my AP Lit teacher. Oh, nice. And she made us think about reading, like when you read, like why did they decide? Yeah. Like, what the decisions went into yeah. like movies and stuff like that, and that was fun. And I like that's why like I have like if you go on my YouTube, it's all like 
like breaks down like da 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 just because I really got interested in how like to tell the story that's really interesting so that's yeah and then I ended up becoming a DM for D&D and I think a lot of that carried over like (laughs) I can write stories that my friends can play in right well no it's kind of crazy how sometimes classes just hit different like yeah and you, yeah, those are, I always did well in English. I like to read because most of it was yeah. reading, so it works, guys. Read. No, no, honestly, Re- reading helps like everything, like spelling stuff like that. Yeah. So it's huge. I promise, not as a former teacher, but I promise. <laughs> uh, my next book uh, is. Oh, which one do I want to do? I don't, uh, I'll do. Uh, I'll do Frankenstein. So Frankenstein, Ooh. not by Mary Shelley though. Oh really? No, it's, although I do like that book. Yeah. Uh, it is Frankenstein by Dean Koontz. Okay. So I, I think I might have, I've casually talked to you about this uh, once in passing at Barnes & Noble. Yeah. But essentially, so Frankenstein is about these two cops in New Orleans who uh, discover that... So in the original story of Frankenstein, right, it is the the monster kills Frankenstein, right? Yeah. That's a, or tries to kill him. And so he thinks that he... And it's kind of like the ending of Frankenstein is kind of told that he died. Mm-hmm. And the monsters disappeared off mm-hmm. in the, the Arctic. Yeah, he... Yeah, he rose himself away. Well, in, in this case, he... Frankenstein, Victor Frankenstein is still alive. Okay. And he has discovered immortality. He is all, he was able to recreate what created Frankenstein. Yeah. The monster. And he zaps himself and becomes essentially immortal. Oh. And so he goes, I'm tired of humanity. <laughs> And then it kind of gets into this like brave new world kind of thing, which oh. I, which is also on my list. Uh, and he begins to create like replicants yeah. of people, and it's slowly inserting them in the society. Yeah. To rule the world, eventually. Yeah. And so he's starting in New Orleans, <laughs> and uh, so the reason they catch on is because there's. There's a guy who's a copycat murderer. Yeah. And one of his replicants is, like, beginning to question why they're alive. Oh. Kind of things. And so he's, like... He's, like, I'm unhappy. Why am I unhappy? I was created to be happy forever. Right. So why am I unhappy? And so he begins murdering people looking for the part in them that would make him happy. So these two cops get on the case. Yeah. And they're, like, fuck. (laughs) We're fighting Victor Frankenstein. We're fighting the devil. No, literally, because yeah. he's immortal, and so he's like all robotic now. So he yeah. has like his like spines metal because it's like sending electrical impulses into his body to like keep him young. Yeah, and then he like and Victor Frankenstein's a fucking asshole. Yeah, he's a not a good character. So he changes his name to Victor Helios. Okay, to be the sun god. Yeah. Uh, the Frankenstein's monster comes back. His name is Deucalion. Ooh, good name. And he, you discover, uh, because of being hit by lightning, he can understand how the, he sees the world at, like, a quantum level. Okay. So he literally will go, like, ready, and so he flips a coin, and then he'll disappear. And he, like, is, like, across the room. So he can, he can like, walk through, like, ta- like, like right. the physics of the world. So he'll, like, so his whole thing, the book starts with him in, like, a monastery. Yeah. And he's, like, this is the only place that, like, would accept me. Because, like... Frankenstein fucked him up, so half of his face is like scarred. Right. So this monk's like making him a tattoo that'll like hide it. Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, I've lived here for like ten years." He's like, "I'm chilling." And so one of his buddies sends him like a newspaper clipping saying he's like he's still alive. Yeah. And so Frankenstein's or the monster's like, "Fuck!" I gotta get him. Yep. Yeah. And so it like goes into his backstory, and uh, like he was part of like a carny thing, and was like, "I was the monster." Yeah. And so he's like, "Well, now I gotta kill. I gotta go kill Frankenstein again." That's really cool. It is. And so there's like four or five books. Because then like, 
Because basically, uh, Victor Helios is like, I've created the perfect life forms, and they're all miserable, right. and like, shit like that. And so, like, yeah, so you find out, like, when he's, but he, he, so he creates these wives, and every time they displease him, he kills them and creates a new one. Yeah, and tells her, like, you're five. You're, you're Erica. They're all Erica's. Yeah. He's like, you're Erica five. You're Erica six. six. Like, and it'll be for, like, little shit. Like, oh, she slurps her soup. Oh, we'll get the perfect life form eventually. Yeah, 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 no. And then he also enjoys having very aggressive sex. sex. Not in, not in a fun way. Like, in a, okay, now we're entering oh, some dark Oh, this things. is a crime. Yes. Like, I think he mentions that, like, he gets off on, like, leaving her crying as he's, like, hitting her. Oh! Oh, he's oh. not a good pair. He's not a good person. <laughs> oh. I don't think he was the, per- he was the hero of uh, the original <laughs> no. book. So it's about these two cops, O'Connor and Brian, I think. And they're, like, two cops that, like, the girl's really cool. She's, like, bad. So she takes care of this autistic... She has an autistic brother. Yeah. But then it's... Then the Frankenstein's monster becomes their ally, and he's kind of, like, your brother can, like, see things. Like, he... He's, like, his autism is, like, a gift. Yeah. So he's, like, he can kind of, like, see things the way I do. Yeah. And stuff like that. And so, like... It's just them like, how do we stop? And so the thing about the replicants is that they're faster. They have like two hearts. Yeah, they're like space marines. Yeah, imagine just a space marine walking into your house, but right. they look like a person. And it's like, what's up, fucker? And yeah. then like, so they'll kill him. They'll replace him with a. And he's so like, he owns all these like built like industries to yeah. like. So he kills them. He throws them in the dump. <laughs> and so he owns the dump. He owns so the it. dump, so he's just dumping them in there. And all like all his creations are classified like in a Brave New World. Alpha, beta, gamma, and epsilons, mm-hmm. and so like the epsilons are trying to like are supposed to be the grunt, like the meat workers, yeah. right? And then like they move up, and like the alphas are going to help take over the world, right? And stuff like that. So that's like the story. That's kind of what the setup is: is that Frankenstein's an asshole, and he's got a plan, and he has a plan, and he doesn't like much like anime villains doesn't like us, <laughs> doesn't like our fleshy selves, your fleshy, your fleshy substance. So I, I, that was a book that my dad found, and I just kind of picked it up and started reading it. And I yeah, was like, this is actually really fucking cool. That is really cool, and because I like I like good like cop. Just, yeah, no, it's like cop banter. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it has a lot of different like elements just to like make like a fun. Read. It is, yeah. So then like they have to like go get like they have to go talk to like a former reformed like like gun runner. Yeah, and he's like this old guy who's like like whitey bulge, and he's like. I'll help you guys out because you know you guys help me get off on a thing, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah," and stuff like that. So it's just fun. It's a really good book. I like it. There's like four or five of them. Yeah, and they're they all they only come in like the pulpy. Oh books. yeah, I love that. So that's that's one of my favorite series. That's really of, fun. Like, of all time. Yeah, so, a little more positive because they there's <laughs> hope. <laughs> people, there's people, some hope there. Yeah, people yeah. learn to love, and it's just the two cops like, well, well, here time, we go. Time to fight the devil. Let's see. What what can roll in next? Uh, I think we're going to go with a, a classic pick here. Uh, we're going to go with Iron Maiden. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Iron Maiden uh, was really ahead of the time mm-hmm. for, like, late 70s. They really kind of, like, put the groundwork of what a lot of modern metal is. Mm-hmm. Um, they used a two-lead guitar playing system. Okay. So they just had two lead guitar players. Oh, okay. And that was, I mean, that was at the time, that was a very, like, you, you had a rhythm guitar player, you, you had a lead guitar player. Yep. But this was just like, we're both really good. We'll just both play uh-huh. leads. And their thing is, they would they would play dual harmonies. So, and they would harmonize with the bass. Okay. 
So their, like, Iron Maiden's big thing is the harmonies. So a lot of their music is just based, like, uh, and I'll throw out the recommendation early, it's, it's Hallowed Be Thy Name, which has probably one of my favorite melodies in, uh, like, okay. a, like, a classic metal song. And um, they always really interested me, too, because a lot of the lyrics are about literature and books. Uh-huh. And um, about really... <laughs> The, there's a joke that Iron Maiden was created by the government to teach uh, metalheads about history. This <laughs> isn't Run, Run to the Hills is uh, is that the one mm-hmm. like the Revolutionary War? Or well, like well, Run to the Hills is about like uh, uh, like Native Americans and yeah. like the settlers and like Run to the Hills, uh-huh. run, run for your lives. Yeah. Um, there's that. There's like they have songs about Brave New World. Um, mm-hmm. Literally, like all kinds of books that about. They have a song about Alexander the Great, which is literally just a retelling of like who who Alexander the Great is, what he did, and you can literally listen to it and probably pass a very basic history test. <laughs> uh, they have um, the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which is a retelling of the poem. Okay. Um, they had, and then a lot of like kind of like commentary type songs, like Two Minutes to Midnight, uh-huh. uh, which is my favorite um, Iron Maiden song, and. I'm not sure. Do you know what the Doomsday Clock is? I've heard of it because I know they talk about it in The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this clock. And it still exists, and it's like done by like world scientists about how close we are to like an apocalypse. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. midnight is the apocalypse okay. on the scale. Yeah, yeah. Two minutes to midnight. They had us at for a long time because they thought the, a nuclear war was inevitable. Yeah. So two minutes to midnight was like, we are very close to like <laughs> all nine. Yeah. So they have like a, the song two minutes to midnight is about that. Um. So it's always interesting because the like you kind of feel like you're listening to like something with a little bit more like substance to it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, Especially yeah. if you've read the books and kind of like connected with it, it's 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 interesting to see the parallel. And you can like it's like that pointing meme, you know, the oh, yeah, yeah. like, oh, like, oh, like, I got that reference. I got that reference. And uh, and again, the they had this time where um, some of the members left. They got a new guitar player. Then everyone came back. So now they have three lead guitar players. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just like they have a really interesting sound, um, and they've gotten and their their stage shows are too very cool. They have a song um, "Aces High," which is about uh, Britain defending off of Germany in World War II. They literally have a plane, like a full size plane, that oh, comes okay. down during that. They have like people in suits that come out uh-huh. during the Trooper, which is about yeah um, the Trooper. Too, the Trooper. Yeah. They literally dress up. They fight like they sword fight. Oh, that's cool. There's like it's a very visually cool show. They're like narrating a like it's, it's like, a, there's a soundtrack to a player. Exactly, exactly. So you're kind of like watching this really cool production, uh, like a number of the beasts. And there's like the beast that comes out, and. Um, that that particular when Number of the Beast that album came out, which is an amazing record, that got a lot I of flack. That, yeah. that was huge in like the Satanic Panic days. Yeah, when really that song's about um, Rosemary's Baby. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I've heard of it, and but, I know it's wild. Even they, for yeah, so they literally the bass player watched that was like, oh, that's interesting. Wrote the song. And they named the album after, but they didn't think much of it. All of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, you worship the devil!" They're like, oh, uh, no, 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 we don't. I promise. We don't. We promise. Um, but no. Um, then they have like song like a song about Power Slave, which is literally about like mummies. Oh, it's cool. about like Egyptian, and they would use like what they were so like in Power Slave. They use a lot of like Egyptian like chords and stuff like that oh, to really cool. like pull it Bring in. It home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and they have um, they have songs about Dune. Um, <laughs> literally, they have everything. 
And so, like I said, the joke has always been that they were created by the government in order to teach metalheads facts. <laughs> so they can actually learn things. <laughs> and try to get them, yeah. And a lot of those early albums are just, uh, they're, they're kind of like what you like about that early metal. A lot of the fun, but with a kind of more meaty substance to yeah. it. And that's something I've always really Like they're enjoyed. able to be silly and be like, yeah. hey, here's the thing, like, we're too, yeah. here's a message. In yeah, there. here's a message. And two, they have some of the best, I think, um... No. Branding, yeah. Oh, the I oh. mean, we saw with the pop. They have oh, the pop fungos. They uh, Eddie. Their uh, their mm-hmm. mascot's called Eddie, and they have an entire mobile game based around uh, Eddie. Eddie. And they have like because all their album covers are like Eddie doing different things. So there's different like eras of Eddie. Yeah. There's like uh, um, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son Eddie, and then oh, you have cool. and then you have the Eddie from somewhere in time where he's a cyborg. Oh. Yeah. So there's like and they have like this own like internal mythology about how like he's he, able to be here. Every yeah. Once. That's funny. And it's actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the tour, they always update which Eddie it is. Oh. And the current one is like. Samurai Eddie. Oh, okay. I think I've seen that one, yeah. Yeah, and, th- and that's really fun. And it's to the point where people in the Iron Maiden subreddit Uh-oh. will argue about which one would beat the other one in their weird uh, Dragon Ball Z power scaling. <laughs> he has access to tech. No, no, it's the real. They're, they're like, but he, this one has a gun. <laughs> no. And those beat everybody in one the, piece. These, what are we talking about? No, <laughs> it's so true. It's like, no, that'll beat that'll be, him. And this one only has a sword. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's like this really cool. They have this really cool visual um, consistency, and uh, some great mer- <laughs> great t-shirts. Not a lot of great oh, t-shirts, yeah. but uh, they're one of those bands that has almost. And this is true for like some of the bands like ACDC too, where they're not so much like almost a band. They're almost like a brand. Yeah, they're like a thi- like, like misfits. Or... Misfits. Yeah, it's like. Like, ACDC could probably just survive off of, like, t-shirt sales. Yeah. I'm sure Iron Maiden could, too. They're at that point where they're almost just, like, a business. And, and like, we joke around with the podcast that we, like, merchandise. We, like, <laughs> making things. Literally, that's, yeah. like, yeah, it's the, it's the same kind of a thing. And, uh, yeah, they have always been a classic band, a band I've always gone back to. That one wasn't sad. Uh, no, that wasn't sad. Yeah. That was fun. I mean, sad hearing about how they're fighting over which Eddie Oh, I saw that. I was like, are we really, like, we're literally going off of a pictures. <laughs> There's just album cover picture. There is a whole game. Yeah. There's like a whole mobile game. And you get like, and you collect the different Eddies. And uh, then you can like make them fight. And there's like this whole storyline where you're like fighting like the, the beast. Yeah. So you have to go through time and collect oh, the different Eddies like... to get them all together to fight. Well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. And they all have like different like skins. Mm-hmm. And they are very good at like, yeah. merchant, like merchandising this. Um, it's called Legacy of the Beast. Oh. Okay. Thing. Cool, cool. It, it's cool. That sounds fun. Actually. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like those gotcha games that we. Oh, played. it is. It yeah. is. One hundred percent is. I even think there was the uh, the Eddie like cryptocurrency, Bitcoin Eddie. Oh, Bitcoin Eddie. Oh, you, the people try to figure out who would beat Goku. Probably <laughs> really like yeah. Bitcoin Eddie. Um, my my next book is another dystopian book, uh, Brave New World oh, by awesome. by Aldous Huxley. Uh, I just like dystopian. I think the whole. The experience, the ability for us is, as we know, we like lists. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is, right? Is that we're categorized by lists. Yeah. Right? Alpha, like that's, and that's where Dean Koontz got the ranking for his, the Frankenstein yeah. system is through Brave New World. Because yeah. alphas, betas, epsilon, gammas, and 
epsilons yeah. and that's that whole you know the epsilons are just like I'm just happy to do something yeah and then alphas are like the thinkers and yeah. the, the creators and the movers and stuff like that I've also noticed that he carries the same trend which is that sex isn't a very it's a trivial thing yeah because in the Frankenstein book that's how they like curb their murderous urges yeah but it's not like a, wow I like having sex it's just like well time to like release yeah and that's it and there's no like there's no like intimacy no it's just and then, yeah. you know. and so I think that's an issue because it's all test tube babies right yeah and like I've always thought test tube babies like from a sci-fi point of view were always kind of an interesting yeah. thought uh, on a Warhammer mm-hmm. very much just uh, the Death Court Creek yeah. or test tube babies yeah um, from Warhammer that's the whole thing it's like cloning is illegal and, right but they have to do it because they just keep throwing dudes into the grinder right yeah so they're like well how do we create more people so we're cloning and I just like that, like, I don't know, just, I guess that's always interesting in this, but this guy who comes from the outside in, and he's like, what is going no, on? Because everybody's just doing coke or whatever it is yeah. that they're fucking smoking. And he's like, I don't like, he's, I think he's from, like, a reservation yeah. in the book, if I remember correctly. And he's like, I don't like, and everybody wants to, like, have sex with him. Yeah. Because really, like, he's new. And he's like, oh, I'm just having all this meaningless sex. Sex, oh, God. Adam's like, God, save me. And then you know he's like, oh look at this brave new world, and I think he kills himself at yeah. the end. Is that yeah? Because he can't handle this brave new world, world. that we're in. And I, it was just a weird like. Again, it hit me at sixteen. Yeah. So it's like this weird like, oh that's cool like sci-fi test two babies like this crazy like engineering humans. Yeah. So that's kind of that. I don't know. That's not... No, no, I got you. I, it's kind of interesting because I feel like a lot of this hit us in that like real real formative. Mm-hmm. Where you kind of like, kind of like are figuring out who you are. Yeah, and just like, oh, okay, yeah. And you're like, a, like you're simulating ideas and like, mm-hmm. no, no, it's actually really interesting that it's kind of, we're both at that same like. Yeah, like, so, yes. Yeah. Again, we read this for uh, school. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Was, was it required reading or were you picking? That was, we were picking. And I was like, I'll read Brave New World. Yeah. So it was like that one, uh, I read that one and then I read The Watchmen. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Read the Watchmen. So a lot of like political cool. like commentary. I've always liked dystopian, just like I yeah. think the political commentary and like like I said, we're kind of close. No, yeah, we're getting, we're getting closer we're, to the day. We're very close to, to the doomsday clocks. <laughs> it's two minutes to midnight. It is very two minutes to midnight. No, I actually really like. I, I really liked English. I really like reading too, mm-hmm. and I always really enjoyed when you could pick your own book. book. Yeah. Um, it was just there was just more like freedom to it, and you there was some. That's when I read uh, I read American Psycho actually, oh, okay. and uh, that 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 was a wild choice too. <laughs> for uh, you're just gonna let me do this, huh? Yeah, you're just gonna. This was on the list. Uh, <laughs> you but, had some thoughts in that book, but no, it always kind of blew my. Blew, blew, I think it's just people's different, obviously experiences, but people like hated reading. Yeah, and I feel like there's kind of been like a resurgence now where reading is almost like a, a and like a cool thing again, like a TikTok thing. Yeah, it's like a TikTok thing because I, yeah. I I think when we were in high school, it wasn't like oh, yeah, I could never talk. It to wasn't people. Yeah, yeah, I could never talk to people about books I've read. Yeah, guys, I read The Flood, and they'd be like, "My okay. Halo." Yeah, oh, that, was a good book. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best one. Um, but no, there's definitely been a resurgence where it's now like a. Well, it's just kind of like there's been like a resurgence in the music scene with like buying vinyls. Yeah. Like now that before if you collected vinyls, it was like what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, you got, you like, dinosaur. You know like, exactly. Now it's like oh, it sounds better. I drink this with my half matcha, half frappuccino oh, yeah. drink. And, and you know what's coming back? I'm sorry, I know this is a tangent from the list, but you know what's coming back? Huh. Cassettes. 
No way. Yes. People are people are like, oh, look at this this quaint ancient technology. <laughs> holding up this ancient like disc. You have like, to rewind it. <laughs> wow. No, there's actually a lot of bands who are doing runs in uh, cassettes. Wow. Because there's people who are really into collecting them now. Um, so they're going. So they'll do like a limited run of like five hundred to a thousand yeah. cassettes, and people are like fighting like the animals to like get these things. Glory time! The cassette player. The cassette player. Oh, oh. let us know if you would like some glory time <laughs> cassettes. cassettes. It would probably cost us way more to make a cassette. <laughs> it would. I would even like. <laughs> uh, now eight tracks. Hopefully, will never come back. But <laughs> we're gonna lose a lot of our old listeners. Yeah. So let's roll into another one here. Um, this next one, uh, Blind Guardian, actually. Okay. We're going to pull out. And Blind Guardian, kind of going back to power metal. Okay. Um, they sing a lot about wizards. <laughs> wizards and dragons. And obviously, I think our listeners will know we really like fantasy type yes, stuff. Yes, fantasy. So something that really... It was one of those first bands that... I remember, I remember where I was. I was in high school. And one of my friends really liked like power metal type bands. And he was kind of like showing me. I was like, "Oh, this is like awesome. This is like a aggressive Lord of the Rings soundtrack." And um, and again, this is a band. Uh, Hansi, who's the lead singer, there from Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a huge reader, and so all of their music is based off of fantasy books. Nice. So I think I've told you they have one called Nightfall in Middle Earth. And yes. The entire album is a retelling of the Cimmerillion. Yes. And it, that was literally the reason I know what goes on in the Cinderella. <laughs> and they managed to do something which is hard is they actually have like almost like audio, like audio drama parts in there. Yes. That don't feel cringy, which is really hard to do. Mm. And so they did that for – and they, they have one album that's not based around – well, it is still based around like fantasy books. But again, it was uh, – about like being sad, which I think has been a it's okay to be sad. Look at these famous people. These are famous sad. people are sad, but it was done in this power metal thing. So it was still like it was done through the lens of like dragons, and, yeah. like you know wizards and shit. But it was, but the underlying message was like depression. That that album's called Imaginations from the Other Side. Okay. And that has a loose concept to it where how when you're young, it's so easy to like read something yeah. and be like, wow, I'm like in this, like, I love these fantasy books. Like these yeah. stories are like taking me to a new place. But as you get older, you start to like, oh. lose, well, you, you know, you, you start to like lose that and then you start working and then there's the, no, there's the deadlines <laughs> yeah. and there's like the stresses from life and bills and how it used to be so easy to like go back and yeah, and, and finally, like, just just, like, just joy in like a fairy tale. Yeah, and that's kind of what the concept is. It's this idea that the, it's trying to find back those imagination, mm-hmm. like the imagination from the other side, trying to get back to to where you're happy. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> and it's a very like it's a very like thick topic. Yeah, to like work through, and uh, it's kind of it's done through this like fantasy story where there's physically like a different on the other side of this mirror okay and there's the the voices from like the other side they're talking to the main character oh okay that's interesting and he's like trying to like figure out if he's gonna cross over or not and there's like because there's like the real world but on the other side if he goes over he would be like the savior of the world but it's like him kind of like fighting do i want to be the hero do i want to be the hero or do i even like believe in this so it's him like recovering the belief so that he can go go through it 
And that's kind of, and it ends on a cliffhanger, actually, on whether or not he decides to cross over the mirror or whether he kind of stays. Okay. And that's what, and it kind of like builds through that story all the way through. Okay. Um, they have some albums. They have, um, they got more as they went on. They were kind of more aggressive, and then they did an album called um, "A Night at the Opera." Okay. And Hansi lead singer, he's a very good singer, and he got to the point where he. <laughs> Got really into like vocal overdubbing. Uh, there's literally a song on there that has over a hundred vocal overdubs of him just like singing. putting it on, okay. and it's like having a full on like or like orchestra, orchestra chorus, but it's just him, and it's like super impressive from a technical okay. level. Um, but if I had to throw down a track for people to listen to, it would be the track um, "Nightfall in Middle Earth." I uh, have scared people seeing that in the car because I get very into it. <laughs> I love that song in a, to an aggressive degree. Um, but they're but they're and they have um, a ton of they have some really good songs about like Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, the American Gods. Um, definitely stuff I've heard and been like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I'd like to yeah. read that. And again, it's that kind of cool thing where you've read something and then you're seeing. Oh, I get the references. You get the references and you you see it translated to a different medium, a mm-hmm. different like artistic expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like a cool. You're seeing, you're just seeing like the it, it transported to like something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, you always told me about them. Oh, that's cool. Like how like we like. Yeah. There's that band that does Warhammer stuff. I feel like it would be kind of like us if we did music instead of like it would be like hey I, I like you, we read this book let's yeah, let's, let's, let's make a, a song, song. that's basically what it, it is yeah. yeah let's jam sesh out this uh... yeah no no exactly um but yeah so I'll throw that back to uh... okay back to me I'm a I'm a cheat you know I'm a cheat and because both of my books are vampire books so I'm just gonna one after the other. yeah yeah first one's Dracula. I actually very much like Dracula. Very good book. It's a very good book in a nutshell. And I like that it's like... I like that it was horror, and I like that it had another message behind it, yeah. which is like... Because we read this for English class, too, yeah. and the discussion was, was like, why... What was this written for? Yeah. And the idea was, right, that in this time in the Victorian era, like, sex was very... Yeah. Like, you don't have sex. Right. But, like, how else are we making people, you know? Right, right? yeah, somebody, have, somebody's having it. Somebody has to have it. And how, like, the the nobility, like, they always have to act prim and proper, but mm-hmm. at night they're just fucking yeah. psychos. Yeah. Right? They're the Game of Thrones, right? They're, you, that, you got a Ramsey Bolton in the daytime, he's functioning, at night he's feeding people to dogs. Yeah. And, like, I thought that was a cool, like, that he was able to, like, make a monster out of it. And, like, ooh, like, this thing. And then, obviously, like, Anne Rice took vampires right. and, woo! Yeah. Made it a pot, and now we all want to have sex with them. Um, but just like because it's a simple story really yeah, it really is it, like it's very quick you can explain it in 30 seconds yeah. like a minute and a half to two minutes like yeah he's trying to just come back he wants to own London yeah and feed on people and they're like no you touched my lady right and then yeah. it's, it's all of it's a metaphor for sex yeah and I was like oh that's cool that like like you can have so many like layers as a message for things and talk about a book that had an impact. Yeah. My God. The book, yeah, everyone hated it. it was like, the nobility was like, mm, give me oh, this. Yeah. Kill it. Oh, yeah. But even now, like, Dracula. Like, every, everyone knows Dracula. Dracula. And then turn everybody into vampires. Yes. And now everybody's like, how do we twist the vampire sword to make it fresh and yeah. new? And that's what my the last book on my list is Empire of the Vampire by Jay Kristoff. Jay Kristoff was on here twice. Yeah. He's probably my favorite author that mm-hmm. I have right now. Um... 
just kind of like you, like he hits that like teenage me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is different and edgy and like, oh, it's kind of fucked up, but like there's humor in his books. Yeah. And he's like a smart, I always like, I do really well with smart ass books. Yeah. Um, a lot of like the humor, like the league. I, yeah. I get to, I love the league because the league's just a bunch of jackasses yeah. talking to each other about shit. And, um, Empire of the Vampire. Uh, we've done an episode on very good episode. Um, I would recommend everyone to listen to that. Thank you. Um, but I just like that it's about this man who's at the bottom of the well and is like, I have to keep fighting because yeah. the world needs me to keep fighting, and like that hope. Yeah. And watching him overcome it, but also like, this world sucks. Yeah. Because vampires have you know blotted out the sun. No one knows how they did it, uh, and now the vampires are just their original villain. Yeah, Fab- I mean Fabian Voss is a really cool villain name. Oh, that's an amazing villain. The the un the, the Forever King. Yeah, um, is leading his vampires just over what is reminiscent yeah. of 1500s France. Yeah, and it's just a bunch of dudes like The Witcher who are like, we're gonna fight, fight some dude. vampires. Yeah, and I was like like that like his hope and he's just like has like his metal twist on it. Yeah. And he talks about like how heavy like metal and like yeah. power metal and stuff really play an influence in his writing, um, and that's I just like that like kind of stuff. It's cool to see because I feel like not a lot of authors are very open about their like creative process. Yeah, I know it's it's hard to find. Like even like like Brandon Sanderson and stuff. It's yeah. like okay, well we're still like you still feel like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you know what I mean it's still there. Yeah, but I feel like with like Empire of the Vampire, there's no real hints of like that like Lord of the Rings. Right, it feels like it's its own concept oh yeah no that's very hard Lord of the Rings has its fingers in a lot of people's (laughs) eyes and I made a I did make a campaign about Empire of the Vampire yeah Uh, we didn't finish that one but yeah the whole idea was the vampires blot out the sun vampires are just waging war on cities and you know how do, how do my characters how do your characters get out of it yeah no that's super interesting so. and that was like I said that was one of my favorite episodes that was just a fascinating story to listen to it was very good it was very good as a dramatic reading by me no it was like I was, I was sitting here like <laughs> I was like keep going Daniel this is very the, what was it called the darkest day and I'm the like darkest oh, exactly, day. Here we go. we're gonna hear about the darkest the day. day so that's, those are my last two I thought I'd sandwich them together because yeah. it's the same theme oh for sure so. I'll throw out on it. I'll throw out the last two. Um, we're gonna go with uh, "Dance with the Dead." <laughs> oh boy, we really have a theme here. A theme huh? here. Uh, "Dance with the Dead" is actually an uh, instrumental okay. band. All um, instrumental or all, all instrumental. Interesting. Okay. And um, they are a merger of. Do you know what synthwave is? Yes, ish. Yes. So synthwave is a very like '80s inspired form mm-hmm. of music, uh, specifically like '80s horror slasher movies. Um, that like Stranger Things sound. That like Stranger Things sound. The like uh, John Carpenter, very influential composer, did like the Halloween soundtrack. It's a very specific of its time kind of sound. And Dance with the Dead takes that and adds metal into it. Oh, interesting. Okay. And it's like this really like it's like a weird nostalgic, but it's like it has this really like modern like mm-hmm. undertones to it. And it is just a ton of fun. It mm-hmm. is my like. Driving at night music. Oh, okay. It's why I'm going to be playing video games for a while. Music. I'm going to be cleaning the house music. Oh, okay. And um, instrumental. Like I love instrumental music, but instrumental music is difficult because sometimes when you listen to it, you're like, "There's a hole here." Yeah. That like needs to be filled by vocals. You're like, and, and there right here would be a, he, someone singing. Exactly. Dance with the Dead is very good because you don't feel that. You feel like this is a complete song. As it is. And that's like the top tier, in my opinion, of instrumental music. Um, 
And uh, I think um, a good track that just kind of could uh, get people into the band would be Get Out. Okay. Um, and again, it's, they're all very like horror movie. Th- all their po- all their uh, album covers are very horror themed. Okay. I have a signed. Uh, I have one of their uh, albums. I've okay. a, a signed one. Yeah. It's just these two dudes. It's just like <laughs> they just sent the wave their way. Yeah, and it's and their and their concerts are fun because they're this weird mix of like an electronic, like almost like a rave vibe, but uh-huh. you have like that metal because they're playing guitars at the same time. Okay. With like the whole DJ setup, so it's yeah. it's like a cool vibe to it. Um, would really recommend it. And then we'll end on a ha- we'll end on a happy one here, um, and ooh, this is really difficult to because I'm, I'm gonna pick one here to to finish this out at number ten. Don't forget you get an honorable men- you get a couple honorable. Mentions. I get a couple honorable mentions. All right, I'll throw in uh, so Boston. Oh boy, I have more than a feeling. Huh? More than a feel. I love Boston. Um, that whole first record, like more than a feeling and everything, uh, was recorded in a basement. Oh really? Just a dude by one guy. Wow. He played every instrument. Oh, really? Yeah, and he uh, basically got Brad Delp, the singer, to come down and sing. And it was all he invented the amps they used. Oh, he invented wow. the, the like the dials and everything. Because uh-huh. they have a very unique sound. Yeah. He invented all of it. Played all the instruments. He got somebody to play the drums. Mm-hmm. And then was like, okay, I did it in my basement. And sent it to the record company. And they were like, oh, that's cool, but you have to re-record it. Because we can't just have you like recording things in the basement. It needs to be professional. Yeah. And he was like, okay. So he got some people together. He sent them down to the studio to stall, to pretend oh. like they were recording. He finished it in his basement, sent them the tapes. And they, yeah, and they yeah, were yeah. like, this is amazing. So they... So now they're just recording basements. They just, yeah. Because he, he invented the Rockman. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the Rockman amp, which is a very specific... You get a very specific type of sound. Mm-hmm. Used by, like, ended up be using, like, Def Leppard and all kinds of bands mm-hmm. used it. And uh, he... Uh, uh, Tom Schultz is the name of the guitar player and it was always him and Brad Delp the singer and Tom Schultz was a psycho <laughs> as far as like creative control uh, oh he was one of those guys well because it was his, like it was his baby oh uh, and he was like no this needs to be yeah so when the first Boston record came out it sold it went uh, diamond sold more than 10 million copies and they were like let's get this next one out as soon as we can he said no I'm just <laughs> gonna put it out when I want when, when it's done and I think it went like 7 years oh and then he put it out and it, and it sold very well. Uh-huh. Then he's like, okay, I'll put the next one out when I'm ready. He's like, all right, fuck you guys. I think, it, I think it almost went... I don't think one came out... I think two came out in the 70s. One came out in the 80s. They're, they don't have a lot of records. Because he literally would just be like, no, I'm just going to sit in my base. And he would record hundreds and hundreds of guitar parts. And just, and just layer them together. And be like, oh, it's not done. And then he'd only have seven songs. And then eventually everybody's like, you gotta make more. You gotta make more. And so, and they would all sell incredibly well, but there's only a couple of them. Yeah. Because he just, if he would have put more out. They they would be infinitely more. Yeah, but I mean, they've, I mean, they've sold a a ridiculous amount of records, but he was just so in his creative process. Yeah. That he could not like. Let it go. He's the artist that always is something else I need to fix. Yeah. Which is people, you know, and people will talk. About how like Boston sounds like very like too perfect. Mm-hmm. It's because it is. It's supposed to be this like this is a perfect sound. Yeah. And if you listen to them now, you're like, this was recorded in a basement. Yeah. Like that's wild. And then you have like mayhem, and it sounds like someone just screaming in, in a shoe, just, <laughs> just yelling like right, just like in a cup, like an empty solo cup. And uh, it's just I've always 
in a weird way, I've always kind of appreciated that, like, it was just a guy, and he just had this vision of what he uh, wanted, and it worked. He's just a dude. Yeah, huh? and he just, again, he just fought the record company, like, you can just put some, no. <laughs> and literally, he went, like, I think eight years to put out the second record, and was mad because he didn't feel like, he, he felt he was rushed. God damn it. Get off my ass. Yeah, no, that was it. He was like, there should have been one more song. <laughs> Everybody's like, dude. There was only there was only seven uh, on the second record, and he was like, there probably should have been one more, but you rushed me. I'm like, it's been eight years. Eight years. What are we doing? And back then, bands were just like yeah. shitting them out. Yep. Um, but yeah, do you want to run through some An honorable mentions? So some honorable mentions. I'll do three. So one of them, Aragon, who yeah, doesn't yeah. like a boar and his dragon. Yeah, I, we've done an episode on it, and I will continue to do the series at a later date. Uh, are the Artemis Fowl series? Oh, big. Uh, about a kid whose dad goes missing. And he's like, and he's like, my dad's a good person. He's like, yeah, your dad sold like weapons. Yeah, but he's like, I gotta get him back. He discovers fairies and elves are real, and he's like, I'm gonna kidnap a fairy. I'm gonna use their magic to get my dad back. And then it turns into like these like like Ocean's Eleven things, like a like a heist. Yeah, yeah, essentially. And then like the next thing is that he gets his foot in something else, and then he the, the fairies get involved, and like, okay, fuck, oh, that's fun. Now we're and I like, and then the third one he like battles evil Steve Jobs. Yeah. And, like, they're trying to figure out, like, and then the fourth one, they're, like, framed for a murder in, like, Elfland, and they gotta, like, get their way out of that. Oh, that's and, a like, lot of shit, Yeah. And then it's, like, and then he's so, because he, he's a giant ass. Like, yeah. he's, like, 12. But he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And that's, so as the books change, he begins to grow, because his family comes back together. Yeah. And he, like, becomes a normal kid. Yeah. And, like, he's just really fucking smart. And then lastly, this one I talked to you about, but this one I wanted to highlight really fast. It's called Gideon the Ninth. Uh, it is a series called the Lock Tomb series. Okay. Very aggressive Dune feelings here. Oh, the idea is is that there is the immortal like god of the galaxy. Okay. And he's fighting like of the flood and like the Leviathans from fucking Mass Effect. At the same time. At the same time, yeah. They're like these like spiritual thing, like yeah. these like ghost alien things. And so he has what's called the Paladins, and so the Paladin has like a a partner. Yeah. And the idea is that so the Paladin learns how to do martial like pro- combat. Yeah. And then eventually they like combine with like their wizard, and yeah. the wizard can use their magic to amplify their physical ability, and then they go to like hell or whatever yeah. it is, and then they they fight the evil alien things. Oh, that's really cool. And so the first book is a murder mystery. Yeah. Because somebody started like, dying. But it's about them trying to figure out like who it is. And then the second book's really interesting because it's written in second person. Oh, okay. That's the one that's, I think I told you about. And then the twist at the end that explains why it's written in second person, I thought was fantastic. Yeah. And it makes a lot of, it made a lot of sense. And I thought I was really like well done. And there's a third book I haven't read yet, but I want to. Um, but yeah, so it's just about like... And the only way you discover that they can combine is they have to die. Yeah. The, 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 they're called Chevaliers. They yeah. have to, the Cavaliers, they're called Cavaliers. They have to kill themselves or die. And then the, the mage can, like, inhabit their body. Oh, that's cool. And then they can, like, fight the devil. That's really fucking cool. Yeah. So they're, like, these giant... So, like, they, like, drop into, like, the nth... The, like, it's, it's, like, this mythical, like, dimension that yeah. they fight in. And so they have to, like, go in there, but they can only go in there as their mage cells but they need like the martial arts abilities of their knight and if they can't have that they're like fucked yeah yeah so it's just like this and so each of the houses does something and they're all like skulls the skull yes everybody's wearing has skull faces and like it's very like gothic and it sounds very warhammer it's very warhammery like the warp it's like the warp oh okay 
it's like, it's like these warp beings, yeah. like tentacles, like things, and they're fighting them and shit like that. So that's a lot of fun. As those are my those are to round them out. So that's, that's my my three honorable mentions. I'll throw out a couple honorable mentions. I'll throw out Rush. Uh, I have an aggressive amount of Rush CDs. <laughs> Um, they were one of my favorite earlier uh, bands uh, growing up. Um, I think Pound for Pound, they're probably the most talented three musicians in a band. Uh, Judas Priest. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hugh, uh, again, that was one of my first like metal bands. They were a gateway to a lot of like heavier stuff. Uh-huh. I had so much fun seeing them live. That was I saw them and Mastodon at the same show. Oh, really? I was a very happy man that That's day. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Kiss. Uh, really, you didn't have Kiss on your top ten? It's it's hard because I love Kiss. Yes, yeah, so Zach has a. Fun, I have a shrine. Yeah, to Kiss. I have a shrine to Kiss. And Kiss is very fun because Kiss is very good at merchandising. Yes. So Kiss, like Kiss stuff, is a blast to collect, and that's the best live show I've been ever to. been to. Okay, because they um, were at a uh, aftershock, after and I yeah, it was front row, um, and that was just yeah, it was amazing and. The, again, that was a huge. It was a huge formative. The reason I didn't put them higher is I don't listen to them as much as I used to when I was uh-huh. younger. But they were formative. They were a huge formative band, um, and I still like. Obviously, I still I still listen to Kiss. And I still obviously I collect a shit ton of Kiss stuff. Yeah, and I would see them. I would sell a kidney to go see them live again. <laughs> but I just don't listen to them as much okay. as, as as I used to back in the day. Gotcha. And then uh, I'll just throw one more out, a bonus one. There you go, yeah. Uh, make it fun. This is our episode. We can do what we want. Uh, Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, huh? Yeah. And I have oh. a I have a Black Sabbath hot take, actually. Uh-oh. I love Ozzy Black Sabbath. But are you going to say Ronnie Dame? I like Dio. I like Dio. Dio I like the Dio Black Sabbath records a little bit more. Uh, those are more power fantasy than, like, yeah. Ozzy. Ozzy was, I feel like they were like, let's do, like, the dark shit. Yeah. And then uh, Dio was like, yeah, wizards! <laughs> As we've learned, I'm, I'm, music the black, I'm in the Black Cauldron yeah. fighting the Horned King. No, that's exactly... And I mean, I love Ozzy Sabbath. Yeah. I love... Um, Paranoid is one of my favorite records ever. But the records they put out with Dio were just like... Holy Diver is a fun song. Holy well, Holy, holy Diver is actually uh, his solo stuff. Oh, yes. Oh, it is. Yes, yes, yes. He, he, Dio went on this crazy run where he was in a band called Rainbow, okay. which was amazing. Uh-huh. Then he went to Black Sabbath. Oh. Then he was in Dio. Oh, okay. And he was in this like... Uh, this like whole just, line of just bands. Oh shit! That's cool. um, yeah, but the records they put out with him just—they uh, have a record called Heaven and Hell. Yeah, with, with him and I, I love that record. Okay, but yeah, and again, that's again. Um, I was listening to Black Sabbath earlier today, but that's just again they didn't get hired because I don't listen to them as much as I used, used to. to no, but they no. still, they still always hit. Do it for you. Yeah, but yeah. All right, so. that's our top ten list. Hopefully, you guys have learned something about us. Yeah, I've learned. Because, like I said, I've learned a lot about, like, like we know, because we, we constantly are going to, like, comic book stores yeah. and stuff, so we always, we all, we kind of pick up what we like now yeah. with each other. But, yeah, the music thing, because you always kind of play, not the same songs, but, like... But, like, this, like, the same yeah, band. So and, kind of, and you see the... The connections, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's always interesting, though, especially because, because we have a lot of the, uh, similar passions. Yeah. And, like, because I love reading, I know you like music, but I think those are kind of, like, our own, like, Passion, areas. yeah. I think this will be kind of. I think this is a really fun thing to do, especially like down the line, because we can always mix this up with like different things about us. And Just wait till a uh, top ten anime list, because that was that was one that got aggressively vetoed. The, I did it by uh, my producer. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I fucking hate your list. I can change it. I can change. Oh, you can't change. You gotta fight the man. 
I need to. Where does peace sells with his button? Maybe we can even have, even have the viewers throw out their ideas for different yeah, top that, ten lists they'd like to know. For us, yes. And maybe we can do yeah, do a more impassioned uh, yeah. coming for Watch Mojo. Yeah. Oh, shit. shout out to the biggest honorable mention of all time, Mr. Worldwide himself. Oh my god, uh, is is he a band or is he more he, of a? He's an idea. He's <laughs> he's a way of life. He speaks for the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if we have fans who one day if we ever get more pop- popular enough for people want to send us shit, if you can send Zach Pitbull stuff. Not the dog, the person. The person, the man, the, the idea. <laughs> if you can find some Pitbull stuff for Zach, I think there will be another shrine being built. I think you need another CD case just for, just pit, for, pit for Pitbull. It's the life size. <laughs> I'm not saying he's cooler than Goku and Superman. <laughs> but I think but in my can. power scale, like, I think he wins. <laughs> that's true, that's a, that's a deep love. <laughs> You can be with some pitbulls and rosé. Apparently, oh you my, I turn you into a different human being. Oh my goodness, uh, this has been so much fun, Zach. Thanks for yeah, of course. Finding out your top ten bands, my top ten books. I feel like, I feel like, yeah, I'm excited to f- what we do for the next. Hopefully, we hit a thousand. Yeah, no, honestly, please. If you want to know more, listen. <laughs> yeah, please listen. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your night, Zach. Thank you, sir. It's always a pleasure.